Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Well, it's not Rich Zioli, but it's not college basketball either. So I, I don't know if that's a win or a wash or a loss, but it's Mike Opelka. In for my buddy Rich Zioli. Happy to be here. And today, on this Friday, before Christmas, we hope to get the answer to Charlie Brown's eternal question. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Yes, yes, there is. There is. And that that someone has got to be the legal team from Donald John Trump, who are very happy at the decision the Supreme Court just handed. And uh, it, it was a flaming bag of dog poop left on the front door of Jack Smith. I, I don't know if that's a regular discussion on this show, the flaming bag of dog foo- poop. Uh, Henry, can you help me out there? Is that something that Rich uses all the time? Probably. He, he right? doesn't use that exact phrasing, but uh, yeah, a word similar to that. Well, it seems like that that's kind of what uh, what Jack Smith got from the Supreme Court, or or as our Italian friends might say, "Ungats." Yeah. You got ungats. Yeah, <laughs> that's something he would say. I think that's a translation is that's a flaming bag of dog poop on your front porch. <laughs> so um, just minutes before we came on the air, this actually was breaking news on uh, the networks, although I'm sure on some networks like CNN and MSNBC, it was, well, we got breaking news. This is not going to make anybody's weekend. And then over at Newsmax and, and Fox, it was like, hey, everybody, we got breaking news. It's always interesting to see the attitudes that come out of that. And anyway, here's here's the breakdown, the short breakdown from the guy who does not have a law degree. I studied at the uh, Judge Judy Law School 25 years every afternoon for an hour. So, yeah, I did. I did go to the Judge Judy Law School. But uh, what happens here is Jack Smith was trying to expedite Trump's trial by jumping, leapfrogging over one part of the appeal process and taking his case immediately to the Supreme Court because the Trump 
people are saying, hey, we got immunity on this. This this case is Bravo Sierra. We don't have to even deal with this. And it was supposed to go to the D.C. Circuit Court. And uh, that didn't happen because Smith was trying to bypass the D.C. Circuit. And then the Supremes said, hold on here. You can't do this. This is out of regular order. And it's uh, it's kind of interesting because what Jack Smith's trying to do is mess with Trump, not just in the in the courthouse, but in the political calendar, because he was trying to start this case on March 4th, which, by the way, is the only date on the calendar. That's a command. I don't know if you knew that. Were you aware of that, Henry? That's the only date in the entire year. That's a command. Yeah, that's true. March 4th. Yes, okay. Yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. Uh, Yeah, so uh, Jack Smith was trying to force Trump's legal team to have him in a courtroom when he should have been out campaigning for Super Tuesday. And this looks like the Supreme Court has just, uh, I'll use a different analogy other than the flaming bag of dog poop on the front porch. The Supreme Court just tinkled on Jack Smith's cornflakes. And that's nobody wants that. At least most people. I'm sure there's some people with a certain kink that do. But uh, Charlie, here was Charlie, who I guess I, I have said, I think they have a bunk at Fox News for Jonathan Turley, or they have a hotline right to his home studio or his phone because they, they got Turley on the phone and was uh, was talking to him about whether or not this this could um, change anything or everything. I think that it would it would be quite surprising that they could still hold that March date. And once the March date is gone, uh, I would bet against the trial before the election. If you remember when the March date was selected, they had to fit it into a rather tiny window before Super Tuesday. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is this guy's dance card is pretty pretty jammed up. I mean, this is not the only case he's facing, in addition to running for office. So the the district court judge was criticized by some for squeezing this in before Super Tuesday. If the judge now finds another small window right before the general, there's going to be a concern uh, that this is just trying too hard to try to get a trial right before the election. So I think that the bets are that this could very well kick beyond the election. We'll have to see. Yes, we will have to see. Now, there's going to be considerable legal wrangling. And uh, Jack Smith's weekend is likely ruined or probably the weekend his team was planning on having. But uh, what's going on is they're trying to figure out how to get Donald Trump in a courtroom before six months ahead of the election, because... Based on an unwritten rule, an unwritten idea, the DOJ has this policy, again, unwritten, which does not allow them to put someone on trial six months before they're involved in an election because that would kind of be considered election interference. I would maintain that all of this, all of this legal action, this lawfare, is really election interference because it gives the mainstream media and anyone who opposes Trump the opportunity to report on his legal woes every single day. But if the case is held then until after the election, if all of this has to go until after the election, 
the mainstream media has to focus on real news. Like today, do you know we had an American who was killed, one of our hostages killed in Israel, and nobody's talking about it because they're all talking about Trump. The first American hostage to be killed. Yeah. And where's Joe Biden? Is he talking to the nation about how he's going to get our hostages home? We'll get back to that. But I'm just saying this is this is what the distraction is about. They're allowed to um, be absolutely enraptured by Donald Trump and Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, Charlie talked about that unwritten policy that the DOJ will not try someone who's running for office, especially national office, six months ahead of an election. It was, it's pretty telling to me and fascinating stuff, I think. Yeah, that policy has never been etched in stone. And so the policy for the Department of Justice has been to avoid any trial or a major litigation before an election. But Jack Smith has already eviscerated that policy. Every mm. filing he makes, he's been trying to get this trial before Super Tuesday, before the general election. So he's really flipped the script here. And Hold, hold on. Henry, have we ever heard a guy like Jack Smith use the phrase flip the script? I doubt it. I think then the uh, Urban Dictionary needs to remove flip the script from its pages. We once once Jonathan Turley is using flip the script, I think it it no longer has any any street cred, any Urban Dictionary cred to it. I I, I respect that. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right on that. It makes Thank a you. Lot of, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, once yeah, once he says it, you know, and and talk. That's about like your mother's. Proceedings. Your mother's going. Well, don't you flip the script on me, little mister? Yeah, it's like I'm not saying that's that not my place, though. Now, so uh, pardon my ADD nature, but back to Jonathan Turley. He's talking about the DOJ's unwritten policy that they they won't prosecute somebody six months ahead of a national election or an important election. And uh, Jack Smith is the guy they brought in to do this. And we we have I know Rich has talked about the the um, amicus brief that was filed to try and get rid of Jack Smith. We'll get to that. But here's more from Jonathan Turley think that that's going to become more and more problematic for Jack Smith as he gets closer to the general election itself. Because once again, people are going to be asking, why? Why are you doing this? And you have to be able to say something other than, this is a really important case. Because there's lots of important cases. The question is, why is it important to try it before the election? And the best he can come up with is, the voters should know if the president, uh, if, the, if, the, if a candidate is a felon. But once again, that policy that you noted, John, uh, is, is, is set to avoid that, right? The Department of Justice mm-hmm. does not want their cases to influence election. Because even if Trump is convicted, there are major appellate issues that would have to be litigated. And any conviction could easily be thrown out. So there's a long road ahead for Jack Smith. And, you know, he was trying to do this as a sprint, and he has suddenly found himself in a marathon. Now, I, I like the analogy of sprint to marathon much better than I like his uh, use of flipping the script. So I'll, I'll allow that. But Jonathan Turley laying it out, the the difference in thinking here, and I, I believe this is one of the reasons that Jack Smith was brought in, is because the DOJ and essentially the RNC or the DNC believes that they could get this thing pushed very quickly. 
And they're trying to neutralize Donald Trump in any way, shape, or form they can. And this uh, this D.C. trial, which Donald Trump has, I believe, credibly claimed immunity on this. But you never know. We never know, especially when you think of this had to go through the D.C. circuit, which is uh, notoriously liberal, very leftist. And it would have ultimately ended up in the Supreme Court. So why didn't the Supreme Court say, hey, look, this is going to end up here anyway? Let's just take it. Well, now you're starting to reset the precedent. And the precedent here is you, you go to court, you make, the, uh, you make the charge, you indict the person, they get to appeal it, it gets fought in the appeal court, it gets to the circuit court, and then it goes to the Supreme Court, who's ever arguing about it. And in this case, Smith tried to pole vault over the D.C. Circuit, and he got smacked down. And I'm sure he's not happy about it. And I am. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, This is good news for Donald John Trump for the moment. It's good news if you can have good news in the middle of all these indictments, which pile up on you like insane, insane legal lawfare. So much to get to today. There's a lot more happening. There's a lot more happening in our world. Uh, we, We need to talk about the situation halfway around the world. Yesterday... When the basketball game was on, there was a press briefing that I think was one of the more um, interesting and irritating press briefings uh, <laughs> that I have ever seen. A combination of interesting and irritating from the standpoint of uh, we, we didn't learn a whole lot, but what we did learn was really infuriating, especially as it relates to cringe, cringe on Pierre. And one of the things that really bothered me about yesterday's press briefing was the very end of it. The very end. After Cringe avoided answering a lot of questions, uh, she looked at the members of the press pool and just closed by, after she closed her binder, closed by saying this. See you next year. Bye, guys. Thank you. So, see you next year. And I'm checking my watch. And I'm saying, well, wait, wait, hold on a second. It's December 21st. We have um, an, an invasion on our southern border where we're averaging over 11,000 migrants coming in every day, 14,000 the day before, 11,000 yesterday, 12,000 two days ago. Uh, that's kind of a big problem. We have the situation now into well into 70-plus days. Was it 75 days now in Israel? And as I announced earlier, the first American hostage has been killed. The first American hostage is 73-year-old guy, Gadi Haddad, Gadi Haddad and his wife were out for a walk the morning of October 7th, and they were taken captive by Hamas, reportedly. Uh, Gadi, who, again, 73 years old, was working on this kibbutz. He and his wife, American citizens, taken hostage. He's dead. We still don't have the body yet, but I guess Hamas wanted us to know that. And uh, his wife, we don't know if she's still alive. They presume she is. But that's going on. So the first American hostage has been killed. Where is the president? Where's the mainstream media? 
Where is the outrage? I'm old enough to remember America's outrage when Iran and the uh, militant students in Iran, the terrorists in Iran, took Americans hostage and held them hostage for uh, 444 days. And the only reason they, they finally gave up is because they knew Ronald Reagan was about to come in and unleash a 16-ounce can of whoop-ass on each and every one of them. And so they let everybody loose. But in the case of uh, Hamas and America, no, nah, there's nothing to be afraid of. Look at, look at what's going on in the Red Sea. One of the major commercial transit areas in the world is now under attack by a bunch of ragtag terrorists out of Yemen who have actually threatened the U.S. Navy. Don't mess with us. I wish that we would just unleash hell on them. I wish that we had a president who had a spine like Reagan. I'm going to play a Reagan clip for you. I found today, too. Uh, so, so we'll see what's going on. But Joe Biden, he, he did make an appearance today. It wasn't much of an appearance. It had another bit of confusion around it because that's what he does. He gets confused easy. Joey gets confused, especially if he doesn't get the sleep that uh, Dr. Jill wants him to have. She's not a medical doctor, by the way. But he always looks confused. And that happened today, earlier today. But I'm sure he's now checked out. I'm, I'm pretty sure. We'll have, to, we'll have to check on it. I'm sure there's a lid on the uh, White House. But you got the mess at the border that apparently only, only Fox News and Newsmax are covering. And we have to play the clip from the guy who's coming here. The guy who, who's crossing the border, he's from, uh, I think he's from, uh, not is it, uh, I think he's from Guinea. I think he's from Guinea, North Africa. And he doesn't speak much English, but he knows he needs to ask to go to Philadelphia. And he even had a piece of paper with the address on it, but that's all he knows. So we'll get into that. We'll talk about that. We'll continue to update you on the, the Houthis threatening the U.S. and threatening our Navy. Uh, there may be a new official candidate coming in the 2024 election very, very soon. You know his name because we called him President Joe two years ago. His first name is Joe. His last name sounds like a really fancy house. And we'll talk about that. Um, there, There's news on the... Uh, California Senate race and a famous Duke of Hazard is probably having a conversation with the Secret Service today. One of them Duke boys is having a conversation with the Secret Service today. I would imagine. I'll explain why. Your phone calls are always welcome. 855-839-1210, of course, is the number. 855-839-1210. It is Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Yes, yes, Merry Christmas. Uh, I believe that's Weezer, is it not, Henry? Yes, it is. I'm very excited that I just suggested a little Weezer and out of nowhere, boom, Henry's like, I got you. I got you, bro. I've been a man of requests this week. I like that. I like that. And uh, the other day when Susie Cool asked you to play the cut from uh, Under the Rhine, one of the little known gems of the holiday season is the group Under the Rhine. It's a duo from Ohio. Yeah, they were really good. I was I was very surprised at that. A lot of these requests I've been getting this past week, a lot of, lot of under the radar kind of hits. Yes, under the radar for Under the Rhine. And if you look up Under the Rhine, that album called Snow Angels, you can't miss on any song on that record. And if you're looking for a little like a Christmas, uh, what? how do we say here? Like, like the Barry White type music of Christmas. There are a couple songs there that it, it makes it sexy time pretty quickly. You put that music on, a little under the rind, a little smooth music, dim the lights, light some candles. It's bingo, bango, bongo time right there. Just saying. Was I supposed to say earmuffs? Because I hear Zioli say it all the time. But <laughs> yeah. No, I, just, I, just, I, just don't play those songs at the family Christmas party. That's all. Yeah. I w- well, you never know. The drunk uncle might put on uh, a pretty good show. <laughs> just saying. Anyway, we... <laughs> We we have a lot to get to today. There, there's a whole lot to get to, and uh, I've invited a couple of friends to join us. Um, my buddy Billy Hallowell is one of the better faith writers in the world, and he's going to join us in just a little bit because the Pope made an interesting move this week when he announced that he would be allowing priests to bless gay unions not gay marriages they weren't allowed to do anything that made it look like a wedding but they were allowed to give blessings out and i have a theory on why this happens and we'll ask billy hollowell he writes for um cbn and for the washington times so he's a he's a big stinking deal in the faith world and he's a great guy so he'll be joining us later and since we're almost at the end of the year and the uh, stock market has been going absolutely on a tear, or so it seems. Uh, I want to know where the economy's headed, because I'm I'm always dubious of of anything that Bidenomics is throwing at us, and we're looking at a stock market over thirty seven thousand four hundred points on the Dow and forty seven hundred on the S and P, and the Nasdaq is up to fifteen thousand. I looked at Facebook. Because I've, I've never owned Facebook because I'm, I'm not a Zuckerberg fan. But Facebook went through the roof this year. So if you bought Facebook last year, or I'm sorry, Meta. That's like I can't call Twitter. Twitter, I have to call it Twitter X. But uh, if you bought Facebook, Meta, whatever it is, you more than doubled your money. 
over the course of the year. Just to to be uh, specific, uh, it was about a hundred and fifteen dollars a share, and now it's three hundred fifty seven. So maybe I should have gotten past my hatred of Facebook, but I want to know where the economy's going. You know, we keep hearing from the administration that everything's Jake and everything's going to be just toasty and we should be comfortable and uh, just get used to uh, Bidenomics kicking in. Well, don't take my word for it. Take the word of the uh, press secretary, Cringe. Cringe Jean-Pierre was asked about this yesterday during the briefing and about, you know, why, why the president's number so low and yet. You're telling us everything is so great. Started talking about um, accomplishments from this last year. Uh, you talked about the economy, but in our latest ABC News poll back in November, by a 10-point margin, Americans still said that they would trust Republicans on the economy more. So, what is your message to Americans who just think what you've done on the economy is not enough? Now, before she answers, while this reporter is asking the question, which is a great question. Cringe is just flipping through her laminated binder pages, her plastic-covered pages, looking for the right answer, pre-written answer to read. And she went through three or four, scanning them, kind of gave a half an eye roll to the reporter. Are you still talking? Before she decided to read this answer. Look, we understand what Americans have gone through. We do. Uh, they went through, and you've heard me say this many times before, and my other colleagues, uh, coming out of the pandemic was a tough time, a difficult time for so many Americans. And we understand that it's going to take some time for them to feel the accomplishments and what we've been able to do in the last three years. So you're just not patient enough. You're, you're just, you're being rude and greedy. Uh, you know, you just have to wait. You have to see, don't, uh, next year maybe. You're going to see it eventually. Sure. Uh they just don't understand it. But that's why I want to talk to Jonathan Honig, Capitalist Pig, and he'll be with us at 5 o'clock as we start uh, the drive at 5 or whatever the heck. See, I don't know what it's called here. but uh, I just Yeah, you got it. I, I got it. There's yeah. no mystery movie, though, right? No, no. That's been, uh, that's been gone for a while now. God, we, it hasn't been gone. It just moved to the AM. Appropriated. Yeah. Stolen. <laughs> Did we get any mystery movie reparations? Uh, no, we had an idea to play like uh, songs from movies throughout the show and then have a caller guess in at the end. I uh, haven't heard back, or I, we haven't really had a proposal, a former proposal. What are they proposal. bringing in a consultant or something? Is there a focus well, group happening need, about we that? We need to have a prize in order to be able to do that stuff. And that's partially the reason why we don't do the movie anymore is because we don't have a prize. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, got it. Thank you. And this is this is inside baseball. I'm sorry we pulled back the curtain and are sharing the dirty secrets of this. Well, I, I think everyone's pretty aware of that. We don't, no, that's why we don't do it anymore. Okay, I'll accept that. Yeah. All right. Back to the press conference. Press press conference yesterday with cringe. Cringe on Pierre. Um, she was also asked about the border. You know, because as we reported earlier. 11,000 today, 12,000 on Tuesday, 14,000 on Wednesday. It's not really looking like the border is closed, is it? But, you know, Cringe wants us to think that, well, there, there are ebbs and flows. 
And what we're seeing here at the border, the migration flow, uh, increased migration flow, certainly uh, it, it, you know, it ebbs and flows. And we're at a time of the year where we're seeing more uh, at the border. And it's not unusual. This is an immigration system that has been broken for decades. And the president has taken this very seriously to try to do more. That's and so, what we're seeing. So, so, so ebbs and flows, and it's been, uh, it's been like this for decades been like this for decades gee i'm old enough to remember 2019 when uh barack obama's director of homeland security the guy who was in charge of the border back then jay johnson was talking about the border hmm was it like this back then i wonder when we talk about deprioritizing uh, the deportation of those apprehended at the border or decriminalizing uh, illegal immigration. I know that we're, we're going way too far to the left of the American consensus on where we should be on this. And you just cannot have a policy where a Border Patrol agent arrests someone at the border and says, in effect, you get to stay here unless you commit a crime. Right. Uh, that just simply incentivizes more illegal immigration. We, we lose control of our borders. Uh, in the same vein, by, by taking a formal step of decriminalizing illegal migration, what we're saying as a country and as a society is we're prepared to see a lot more of this. See, this is when the Democrats were talking about we need more immigration and we need to decriminalize the people coming in across the border. Near the end of Donald Trump's first term, and I say that intentionally, first term, because I believe we're looking at the very strong possibility of a second term. And you can't wait to hear what the people of Chicago are saying about the possibility of a Donald Trump second term. Trust me, you can't wait to hear it. Uh, a lot of it relates to this border thinking. And this administration has just been absent in telling anybody the truth and, and being honest with anybody about the borders. Uh, Mayorkas, what a disaster talking about the borders. The president could not have been clearer in his articulation of this administration's position, nor could I have been clearer and continued to be so which is the border is closed <laughs> and this administration administers and enforces the laws of the united states of america sure sure that's what's going on at the border that's that's what's happening at the borders the administration of the laws of america nothing of the kind is happening it is one of the greatest messes i have ever seen in my life and it is disastrous and going to be worse. What we don't know is how bad this is going to get. Because there's just no way to tell. It's absolutely impossible to figure out how far this is going to go. And how much worse it's going to get, especially for the cities that are overrun. Uh, the guy here in uh, Philadelphia, or the guy who's coming here, we should find out if he's arrived. Um, Henry, you saw this clip of the guy um, who Bill Malusian ran into uh, yesterday as he was crossing through the border at Eagle Pass. Did you happen to catch that video of the guy? No, I haven't. Okay, Bill Malusian, who's doing yeoman duty on the border, 
He is, uh, he's down there watching everybody come across. He's recording. He's even getting video of some of the coyotes who come all the way up to the fence and then they wave at the cameras. It is one of the more insulting things I've ever seen. One of the more, um, I have another term for this, which I probably can't use, uh, but it's, it's just flat out, he's, he's got major uh, cojones. Let's just say that. Okay. If, if you understand that, good for you, because you, you paid attention in Spanish, and I appreciate that. But this guy goes right up to the border fence and is guiding through the people that he's probably getting between five and $10,000 per person from them. And then he, he's covered up his, his uh, nose and his mouth. He's got a, a mask on, one that would not be legal in town now. And uh, he just waves at the cameras and shrugs his shoulders because it's okay. And then one of the guys who came through was this guy from uh, Guinea, or uh, it might have been, uh, yeah, I think it was from Guinea. He didn't speak much English. And uh, Malusian went right up to him and asked him where he was hoping to go. And the guy actually held up the paper here. Where in the U.S. do you want to go to? Uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. Why Philadelphia? Uh, I have paper. I don't uh, know the place. Let me check the place. I want to check the place. Okay, so just an address in Philadelphia to go to. Okay. Guy can barely speak English, but he's got a piece of paper that he bought, probably paid five to $7,000 to one of the coyotes, and it, it's got an address. So he, he gets across the border, and then he encounters either a, um, a border agent who's been reassigned instead of protecting our border. That border agent has to process the people who are here illegally claiming they are in fear of their lives, claiming they want asylum because that's what they've been told. That's the magic phrase. That's the phrase that pays if you're crossing the border. What's the phrase that pays? We'll give you a plane ticket or a bus ticket anywhere you want to go. And here's your cell phone. And here's some clothes, by the way. Are you hungry? We'll take care of that, too. Flying these people all over the country. And what is this doing? In New York City, the story out of New York is that 50% of the children in the public schools this year don't speak English as a primary language. So what does just that one statistic do to the cost of operating a school district, which is already, I think, the most expensive school district in the country? Now you have to bring in people to speak to these children in hopes to educate them. That's just one aspect of it. And so where is Joe Biden on this? It's a dereliction of duty to allow this to go on on our southern border. And I will tell you, we're starting to see the Democrats turn on this. We're starting to see the Democrats stand up and say, well, you know, it might be a good idea for us to do something about this. It might be just smart for us to maybe maybe think about changing the policies and maybe closing the border. And then the left starts screaming, no, you can't do that. Because, you know, we're, a, we're we, they want us to be a sanctuary nation. Well, the city of Chicago is fighting back. And I want to play you something from a, a couple of black gentlemen who were walking around the streets of Chicago 
worried about the homeless problem there, worried about the veterans who are homeless there, and worried about what's going to happen to their city. And they're, they're not alone. This is just one slice of what's going on around the country. We'll get to it just around the corner. And if uh, you choose to join us, you are always welcome to be a part of the conversation here. 855-839-1210. Oh, I guess I... Uh, do I have time to take a couple of calls, Henry, or should yeah. I wait till right after? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So let's go to uh, Terry in Morristown. She's one of the Saturday night regulars, so I'm happy to see the Saturday nighters are here with us in the daytime. Hello, Terry. Welcome to the program. Hi. Merry Christmas, Mike. Hey, I got two questions for you. I might know the answer to the first one, but my question regarding this whole thing with Trump right now, if he, well, when he wins the election, um, I'm wondering, can he pardon himself? Because there's state. Now, maybe D.C. he can. Can he do it in Georgia and New York? That's a, that's a good question. And um, I think the Saturday night show, which is 7 to 10 tomorrow night to everybody who has never listened, um, I think Wendy Patrick might be joining us, the attorney, to answer that. Because okay. um, Donald Trump in. has some pardon powers, but it's <laughs> not unlimited. So we, we could see. And I think... <laughs> One my, more question after that. Well, Go ahead. What, my personal opinion, if these trials get moved till after the election, I'm just guessing, and this is a speculation, that all of these cases could probably go away. They might mm-hmm. just turn tail and run That'd because be it'd be a giant waste of time and money. But that wasting mm-hmm. time and money has never been a Democrat problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my second question uh, because of Merrick Garland, I think nothing gets done with uh, Biden. He is definitely uh, not held up to what he swore on the Bible about upholding the Constitution. He, in my head, I think he's done treason. So nothing's going to happen to him while he's in office. How long can that last after he's out of office? The Will Hunter Biden, new Attorney General. The uh, the Hunter Biden uh, case, uh, or, no, no, no. Uh, or something with Joe? No, Daddy. Well, Daddy Biden, because he is not upholding. He's not protecting our borders. No, he's, he's not. not taking. He, no. So can he be charged with treason? But after he's out of office and when we get a new attorney general. Well, if he's not impeached, that's a good possibility. He could be. But I think a lot of people would say, what's the point? You know, he's cognitively declining. And at the, by the time that comes around, he might be drooling all over the place and not really be able to even stand up and answer a question. Just saying. I, yeah, I understand. Well, so anyway, the humanity you take has care. To- Looking forward to listening to uh, Wendy tomorrow night. And, of course, you. And uh, Merry Christmas <laughs> in the meantime, okay? Thank you, Terry. Merry Christmas. And from Terry Thank to you. Terry, from Morristown to Broomall, it's Terry to Terry. Hello, Terry. How are you? Michael, how are you? Merry Christmas to everybody at 1210. Thank you. I just want to say this. I told your call screener. Joe Biden is for fair share, correct? Well, that's what he pay, says. Pay your fair share. Well, when is Delaware going to get 100,000 immigrants for their see, fair share? See, uh, as a resident of Delaware, that makes me I very know. nervous. But I also think I that it would be great... If um, Greg Abbott would send a couple of those plane loads to the beach house of the Bidens, I think it it would it would be uh, a beautiful. Well, he he did it to the vice president's uh, address in D.C. So why wouldn't he do it to Delaware? Well, you have pull, you know, Abbott, right? 
Well, I, I know Dan Patrick. I know his lieutenant governor, but I don't I don't know the governor. So I might send Dan an email and see what he says. I'll I'd let you know, it. Terry. I'll let you know. It. Uh, it's a this, good idea. This guy's out of control, man. The yeah, country's and, out of control. And, and I don't think we've seen the worst of that. That problem could get worse. And so while other things are starting to look up, you know, they say the economy's turning around, but capitalism has a way of correcting itself no matter what the government does. So uh, we'll see, because I remember when the stock market was rocking, the Democrats were quick, quick to say government doesn't have any effect on the stock market. That's that's the free market. And it has highs and lows. But now now that the stock market's rocking, you bet that they're going to take credit for it, just like Donald He's Trump was. Take credit. Uh, well, Biden will. And he'll he'll try and play. Yeah. When I sent when I sent my letter to Trump. The stock market, when Trump was elected, was 18000 By his second year, it was 34000 okay? And I said in my letter that by the end of your third year, it'll be 40000 And because of COVID, everything, you That's know, true. dropped. Yeah, uh, COVID but, is the asterisk on all the economic stats everywhere. And it truly is, you have to write it off as, uh, as the effect that, that can't really, you can't, no one can claim COVID or blame COVID, but it just happened and it affected everything. So, right. Listen, I'll let you go and thank you for taking my call. Merry Christmas, brother. Thank you for being there. We got to take a you. break. It is Mike Opelka in for Zioli. You want to join us? 855 839 We're going to go to Chicago and uh, hear what I think is going to be a very, popular theme starting uh, as soon as today for the rest of the year. It's Mike Opelka in for Zioli on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. Merry Christmas, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Delaware, anybody else is listening on the internets. It's Mike Opelka in for Rich Zioli on the Zioli Show. Uh, It should be Gavin DeGraw, right, Henry? You are absolutely correct. Gavin DeGraw, a guy who has just a beautiful voice, put out his first Christmas record this year. And it is spectacular. The production is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So congratulations, Gavin DeGraw, uh, if you're a fan of smooth Christmas music. We'll get to some of the other freaky stuff, too. Uh, I wanted to get to Chicago because we were talking about the border. And my old, home, my old hometown, the city of Chicago, has descended into a mess. It's an absolute mess. And they're a sanctuary city. And what do they get? Like 30,000 immigrants, 35,000 immigrants? And Mayor Brandon Johnson is losing his mud over this and can't handle it. We have a governor... A governor, an elected official in the state of Texas that is placing families on buses without shoes, cold, wet, tired, hungry, afraid, traumatized. The governor of Texas needs to take a look in the mirror of the chaos that he is causing for this country. Mm. So the governor of Texas is the problem, not the president who's opened the borders. Brandon Johnson is not going to be reelected. I can predict that now. And he just got there. He's a Democrat. But, you know, you know who else is a Democrat in the city of Chicago? Alderman Raymond Lopez. And uh, Raymond Lopez heard the mayor and he was like, oh, hold on a second. Hold on, mayor. 
My mayor is blaming everyone except the person who needs to get the blame, and that is President Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who are responsible for protecting and securing our borders and for having a functional immigration system. If we want this to stop, we have to secure the border. We have to stop the draw, which is all the free benefits that people are hearing about and posting about. Hmm. Yeah, that's the problem. All these people think they can come here and uh, cut the line, if you will, ahead of all the other folks who are trying to do it legally. And uh, therein lies the huge problem that is now affecting cities like here in Philadelphia, where we had the guy who just had the piece of paper across the border saying, I go to Philadelphia. Uh, Very interesting to me. But the Chicago people are starting to stand up and say, hold on a second here. We've been here all of our lives. We are a community that needs our city to look out for us, the taxpayers of the city of Chicago, the people who work and every day support this city. And that's a problem because now the city is spending hundreds of millions of dollars on the people who cut the line. And we don't even know who they are. And there are almost 3 million people in Chicago. Over 3 million people, if you count Chicago land, the bedroom communities in the suburbs. But they've only gotten 34,000? And the system is breaking? Hmm. Something ain't right here. Well, a couple of Chicagoans started wandering the streets and made a video. And when we come back, when we kick off the second hour, I want to play you some of the comments from these very insightful men who I think uh, are pointing us out to a new reality for Chicago. It might be MAGA country. Jesse Smollett may have predicted the future. All right. Checking out the first hour. It's Mike Opelka in for Rich Zioli on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli well it's not Rich Zioli but it's not college basketball either so I, I don't know if that's a win or a wash or a loss, but it's Michael Pelka in for my buddy Rich Zioli. Happy to be here. And today, on this Friday, before Christmas, we hope to get the answer to Charlie Brown's eternal question. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Yes, yes, there is. There is. And that, that someone has got to be the legal team from Donald John Trump who are very happy at the decision the Supreme Court just handed. And uh, it, it was a flaming bag of dog poop left on the front door of Jack Smith. I, I don't know if that's a regular discussion on this show, the flaming bag of dog fo- poop. Uh, Henry, can you help me out there? Is that something that Rich uses all the time? Probably. He, he right? doesn't use that exact phrasing, but uh, yeah, a word similar to that. Well, it seems like that that's kind of what uh, what Jack Smith got from the Supreme Court or or as our Italian friends might say, Ungats. Yeah. You got Ungats. Yeah, there. <laughs> that's something he would say. 
I think that's a translation is that's a flaming bag of dog poop on your front porch. <laughs> so um, just minutes before we came on the air, this actually was breaking news on uh, the networks, although I'm sure on some networks like CNN and MSNBC, it was, well, we got breaking news. This is not going to make anybody's weekend. And then over at Newsmax and, and Fox, it was like, hey, everybody, we got breaking news. It's always interesting to see the attitudes that come out of that. And anyway, here's here's the breakdown, the short breakdown from the guy who does not have a law degree. I studied at the uh, Judge Judy Law School 25 years every afternoon for an hour. So, yeah, I did. I did go to the Judge Judy Law School. But uh, what happens here is Jack Smith was trying to expedite Trump's trial by jumping, leapfrogging over one part of the appeal process and taking his case immediately to the Supreme Court because the Trump people are saying, hey, we got immunity on this. This this case is Bravo Sierra. We don't have to even deal with this. And it was supposed to go to the D.C. Circuit Court. And uh, that didn't happen because Smith was trying to bypass the D.C. Circuit. And then the Supremes said, hold on here. You can't do this. This is out of regular order. And it's uh, it's kind of interesting because what Jackson is trying to do is mess with Trump, not just in the in the courthouse, but in the political calendar, because he was trying to start this case on March 4th, which, by the way, is the only date on the calendar. That's a command. I don't know if you knew that. Were you aware of that, Henry? That's the only date in the entire year that's a command yeah that's true march 4th <laughs> yes okay yes sir sir yes sir uh yeah so uh jack smith was trying to force trump's legal team to have him in a courtroom when he should have been out campaigning for super tuesday and this looks like the supreme court has just uh, i'll use a different analogy other than the flaming bag of dog poop on the front porch the supreme court just tinkled on jack smith's cornflakes and that's nobody wants that. At least most people. I'm sure there's some people with a certain kink that do. But uh, Turley, here was Turley, who I guess I, I have said, I think they have a bunk at Fox News for Jonathan Turley, or they have a hotline right to his home studio or his phone because they, they got Turley on the phone and was uh, was talking to him about whether or not this this could um, change anything or everything. I think that it would it would be quite surprising that they could still hold that March date. And once the March date is gone, uh, I would bet against the trial before the election. If you remember when the March date was selected, they had to fit it into a rather tiny window before Super Tuesday. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is this guy's dance card is pretty pretty jammed up. I mean, this is not the only case he's facing, in addition to running for office. So the the district court judge was criticized by some for squeezing this in before Super Tuesday. If the judge now finds another small window right before the general, there's going to be a concern uh, that this is just trying too hard to to get a trial right before the election. So I think that the bets are that this could very well kick beyond the election. We'll have to see. Yes, we will have to see. Now, there's going to be considerable legal wrangling 
And uh, Jack Smith's weekend is likely ruined, or probably the weekend his team was planning on having. But uh, what's going on is they're trying to figure out how to get Donald Trump in a courtroom before six months ahead of the election. Because based on an unwritten rule, an unwritten idea, the DOJ has this policy, again, unwritten, which does not allow them to put someone on trial six months before they're involved in an election because that would kind of be considered election interference. I would maintain that all of this all of this legal action, this lawfare, is really election interference because it gives the mainstream media and anyone who opposes Trump the opportunity to report on his legal woes every single day. But if the case is held then until after the election, if all of this has to go until after the election, the mainstream media has to focus on real news. Like today, do you know we had an American who was killed, one of our hostages killed in Israel, and nobody's talking about it because they're all talking about Trump. The first American hostage to be killed. Yeah. And where's Joe Biden? Is he talking to the nation about how he's going to get our hostages home? We'll get back to that. But I'm just saying this is this is what the distraction is about. They're allowed to um, be absolutely enraptured by Donald Trump and Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, Charlie talked about that unwritten policy that the DOJ will not try someone who's running for office, especially national office, six months ahead of an election. It was, it's pretty telling to me and fascinating stuff, I think. Yeah, that policy has never been etched in stone. And so the policy the Department of Justice has been to avoid any trial or a major litigation before an election. But Jack Smith has already eviscerated that policy. Every Mm. filing he makes, he's been trying to get this trial before Super Tuesday, before the general election. So he's really flipped the script here. And Hold, Hold on. Henry, have we ever heard a guy like Jack Smith use the phrase flip the script? I doubt it. I think then the uh, Urban Dictionary needs to remove Flip the Script from its pages. We once once Jonathan Turley is using Flip the Script, I think it it no longer has any any street cred, any Urban Dictionary cred to it. I I, I respect that. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right on that. Thank you. Of, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, once yeah, once he says it, you know, and and talking that's like your mother's your mother's going. Well, don't you flip the script on me, little Mister? Yeah, it's like ugh, I'm not saying that's that again. not my place, though. Now, so a part of my ADD nature, but back to Jonathan Turley, he's talking about the DOJ's unwritten policy that they they won't prosecute somebody six months ahead of a national election or an important election. And uh, Jack Smith is the guy they brought in to do this. And we we have I know Rich has talked about the the um, amicus brief that was filed to try and get rid of Jack Smith. We'll get to that. But here's more from Jonathan Turley. I think that that's going to become more and more problematic for Jack Smith as he gets closer to the general election itself. Because once again, people are going to be asking, why? Why are you doing this? And you have to be able to say something other than, this is a really important case. Because there's lots of important cases. The question is, why is it important to try it before the election? 
And the best he can come up with is the voters should know if the president, uh, if, the, if the if a candidate is a felon. But once again, that policy that you noted, John, uh, is 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 set to avoid that. Right? The Department of Justice mm-hmm. does not want their cases to influence election because even if Trump is convicted. There are major appellate issues that would have to be litigated, and any conviction could easily be thrown out. So there's a long road ahead for Jack Smith. And, you know, he was trying to do this as a sprint, and he has suddenly found himself in a marathon. Now, I I like the analogy of sprint to marathon much better than I like his use of flipping the script. So I'll, I'll allow that. But Jonathan Turley laying it out. The, the difference in thinking here, and I, I believe this is one of the reasons that Jack Smith was brought in, is because the DOJ and essentially the RNC or the DNC believes that they could get this thing pushed very quickly. And they're trying to neutralize Donald Trump in any way, shape or form they can. And this... Uh, this D.C. trial, which Donald Trump has, I believe, credibly claimed immunity on this. But you never know. We never know, especially when you think of this had to go through the D.C. circuit, which is uh, notoriously liberal, very leftist. And it would have ultimately ended up in the Supreme Court. So why didn't the Supreme Court say, hey, look, this is going to end up here anyway. Let's just take it. Well, now you're starting to reset the precedent and the precedent here is you you go to court you make the uh you make the charge you indict the person they get to appeal it it gets fought in the appeal court gets to the circuit court and then it goes to the supreme court who's ever arguing about it and in this case smith tried to pole vault over the dc circuit and he got smacked down and i'm sure he's not happy about it And I am. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, This is good news for Donald John Trump for the moment. It's good news if you can have good news in the middle of all these indictments, which pile up on you like insane, insane legal lawfare. So much to get to today. There's a lot more happening. There's a lot more happening in our world. Uh, we, We need to talk about the situation halfway around the world. Yesterday... When the basketball game was on, there was a press briefing that I think was one of the more um, interesting and irritating press briefings uh, that I have ever seen. A combination of interesting and irritating from the standpoint of uh, we, we didn't learn a whole lot, but what we did learn was really infuriating, especially as it relates to cringe, cringe on Pierre. And one of the things that really bothered me about yesterday's press briefing was the very end of it. The very end. After Cringe avoided answering a lot of questions, uh, she looked at the members of the press pool and just closed by, after she closed her binder, closed by saying this. See you next year. Bye, guys. Thank you. So see you next year. And I'm checking my watch. And I'm saying, well, wait, wait, hold on a second. It's December 21st. We have um, an an invasion on our southern border where we're averaging over 11,000 migrants 
coming in every day, 14,000 the day before, 11,000 yesterday, 12,000 two days ago. Uh, that's kind of a big problem. We have the situation now into well into 70 plus days. What is it, 75 days now in Israel? And as I announced earlier, the first American hostage has been killed. The first American hostage is 73-year-old guy, Gadi Haddad. Gadi Haddad and his wife were out for a walk the morning of October 7th, and they were taken captive by Hamas, reportedly. Uh, Gadi, who, again, 73 years old, was working on this kibbutz. He and his wife, American citizens, taken hostage. He's dead. We still don't have the body yet, but I guess Hamas wanted us to know that. And uh, his wife, we don't know if she's still alive. They presume she is. But that's going on. So the first American hostage has been killed. Where is the president? Where's the mainstream media? Where is the outrage? I'm old enough to remember America's outrage when Iran and the uh, militant students in Iran, the terrorists in Iran, took Americans hostage and held them hostage for uh, 444 days. And the only reason they, they finally gave up is because they knew Ronald Reagan was about to come in and unleash a 16-ounce can of whoop-ass on each and every one of them. And so they let everybody loose. But in the case of uh, Hamas and America, no, nah, there's nothing to be afraid of. Look at, look at what's going on in the Red Sea. One of the major commercial transit areas in the world is now under attack by a bunch of ragtag terrorists out of Yemen who have actually threatened the U.S. Navy. Don't mess with us. I wish that we would just unleash hell on them. I wish that we had a president who had a spine like Reagan. I'm going to play a Reagan clip for you. I found today, too. Uh, so, so we'll see what's going on. But Joe Biden, he, he did make an appearance today. It wasn't much of an appearance. It had another bit of confusion around it because that's what he does. He gets confused easy. Joey gets confused, especially if he doesn't get the sleep that uh, Dr. Jill wants him to have. She's not a medical doctor, by the way. But he always looks confused. And that happened today, earlier today. But I'm sure he's now checked out. I'm, I'm pretty sure. We'll have, to, we'll have to check on it. I'm sure there's a lid on the uh, White House. But you got the mess at the border that apparently only, only Fox News and Newsmax are covering. And we have to play the clip from the guy who's coming here. The guy who, who's crossing the border, he's from, uh, I think he's from, uh, not is it, uh, I think he's from Guinea. I think he's from Guinea, North Africa. And he doesn't speak much English, but he knows he needs to ask to go to Philadelphia. And he even had a piece of paper with the address on it, but that's all he knows. So we'll get into that. We'll talk about that. We'll continue to update you on the, the Houthis threatening the U.S. and threatening our Navy. Uh, there may be a new official candidate coming in the 2024 election very, very soon. You know his name because we called him President Joe two years ago. His first name is Joe. His last name sounds like a really fancy house. And we'll talk about that. Um, there, There's news on the uh, 
California Senate race and a famous Duke of Hazard is probably having a conversation with the Secret Service today. One of them Duke boys is having a conversation with the Secret Service today. I would imagine. I'll explain why. Your phone calls are always welcome. 855-839-1210, of course, is the number. 855-839-1210. It is Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Yes, yes, Merry Christmas. Uh, I believe that's Weezer, is it not, Henry? Yes, it is. I'm very excited that I just suggested a little Weezer, and out of nowhere, boom, Henry's like, I got you. (laughs) I got you, bro. I've been a man of requests this week. I like that. I like that. And uh, the other day when Susie Cool asked you to play the cut from uh, Under the Rhine, one of the little-known gems of the holiday season is the group under the Rhine. It's a duo from Ohio. Yeah, they were really good. I was I was very surprised at that. A lot of these requests I've been getting this past week. A lot of lot of under the radar kind of hits. Yes, under the radar for under the Rhine. And if you look up under the Rhine, that album called Snow Angels, you can't miss on any song on that record. And if you're looking for a little like a Christmas, uh, what? How do we say here? Like. Like the Barry White type music of Christmas. There are a couple songs there that it, it makes it sexy time pretty quickly. You put that music on, a little under the rind, a little smooth music, dim the lights, light some candles. It's bingo, bango, bongo time right there. Just saying. Was I supposed to say earmuffs? Because I hear Zioli say it all the time. But <laughs> yeah. No, I, just, I, just, just don't play those songs at the family Christmas party. That's all. Yeah, I w- well, you never know. The drunk uncle might put on uh, a pretty good show. <laughs> Just saying. Anyway, we, <laughs> we, we have a lot to get to today. There, there's a whole lot to get to. And uh, I've invited a couple of friends to join us. Um, my buddy Billy Hallowell is one of the better faith writers in the world. He's going to join us in just a little bit because the Pope made an interesting move this week when he announced that he would be allowing priests to bless gay unions, not gay marriages. They weren't allowed to do anything that made it look like a wedding, but they were allowed to give blessings out. And I have a theory on why this happens, and we'll ask Billy Hollowell. He writes for um, CBN and for the Washington Times. So he's a, he's a big stinking deal in the faith world, and he's a great guy. So he'll be joining us later. And since we're almost at the end of the year, and the uh, stock market has been going absolutely on a tear, or so it seems, uh, I want to know where the economy's headed. Because I'm, I'm always dubious of, of anything that Bidenomics is throwing at us. And we're looking at a stock market over 37,400 points on the Dow and 4,700 on the S&P. And the NASDAQ is up to 15,000. I looked at Facebook because I've, I've never owned Facebook because I'm, I'm not a Zuckerberg fan. But Facebook went through the roof this year. So if you bought Facebook last year or I'm sorry, Meta, that's like I can't call Twitter, Twitter. I have to call it Twitter X. But uh, if you bought Facebook, Meta, whatever it is, you more than doubled your money. 
over the course of the year. Just to to be uh, specific, uh, it was about a hundred and fifteen dollars a share, and now it's three hundred fifty seven. So maybe I should have gotten past my hatred of Facebook, but I want to know where the economy's going. You know, we keep hearing from the administration that everything's Jake and everything's going to be just toasty and we should be comfortable and uh, just get used to uh, Bidenomics kicking in. Well, don't take my word for it. Take the word of the uh, press secretary, Cringe. Cringe Jean-Pierre was asked about this yesterday during the briefing and about, you know, why why the president's number so low and yet... You're telling us everything is so great. Started talking about um, accomplishments from this last year. Uh, you talked about the economy, but in our latest ABC News poll back in November, by a ten-point margin, Americans still said that they would trust Republicans on the economy more. So, what is your message to Americans who just think what you've done on the economy is not enough? Now, before she answers, while this reporter is asking the question, which is a great question. Cringe is just flipping through her laminated binder pages, her plastic-covered pages, looking for the right answer, pre-written answer to read. And she went through three or four, scanning them, kind of gave a half an eye roll to the reporter. Are you still talking? Before she decided to read this answer. Look, we understand what Americans have gone through. We do. Uh, they went through, and you've heard me say this many times before, and my other colleagues, uh, coming out of the pandemic was a tough time, a difficult time for so many Americans. And we understand that it's going to take some time for them to feel the accomplishments and what we've been able to do in the last three years. So you're just not patient enough. You're, you're just, you're being rude and greedy. Uh, you know, you just have to wait. You have to see it uh, next year, maybe. You're going to see it eventually. Sure. Uh they just don't understand it. But that's why I want to talk to Jonathan Honig, Capitalist Pig, and he'll be with us at 5 o'clock as we start uh, the drive at 5 or whatever the heck. See, I don't know what it's called here. but uh, I just, Yeah, you got it. I, I got it. There's yeah. no mystery movie, though, right? No, no. That's been, uh, it's been gone for a while now. God, we're, we're, it hasn't been gone. It just moved to the AM. Appropriated. Yeah. Stolen. <laughs> Did we get any mystery movie reparations? Uh, no, we had an idea to play like uh, songs from movies throughout the show and then have a caller guess in at the end. I uh, haven't heard back or I, we haven't really had a proposal, a former proposal. What are they proposal. bringing in a consultant or something? Is there a focus well, group happening need, about we that? We need to have a prize in order to be able to do that stuff. And that's partially the reason why we don't do the movie anymore is because we don't have a prize. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Got it. Thank you. And this is this is inside baseball. I'm sorry we pulled back the curtain and are sharing the dirty secrets of this. Well, I, I think everyone's pretty aware of that. We don't, no, that's why we don't do it anymore. Okay, I'll accept that. Yeah. All right. Back to the press conference. Press press conference yesterday with cringe. Cringe on Pierre. Um, she was also asked about the border. You know, because as we reported earlier. 11,000 today, 12,000 on Tuesday, 14,000 on Wednesday. It's not really looking like the border is closed, is it? But, you know, Cringe wants us to think that, well, there, there are ebbs and flows. 
And what we're seeing here at the border, the migration flow, uh, increased migration flow, certainly, uh, it, it, you know, it ebbs and flows. And we're at a time of the year where we're seeing more uh, at the border. And it's not unusual. This is an immigration system that has been broken for decades. And the president has taken this very seriously to try to do more. And so, what we're seeing- so, so, so ebbs and flows, and it's been, uh, it's been like this for decades been like this for decades gee i'm old enough to remember 2019 when uh barack obama's director of homeland security the guy who was in charge of the border back then jay johnson was talking about the border hmm was it like this back then i wonder when we talk about deprioritizing uh, the deportation of those apprehended at the border or decriminalizing uh, illegal immigration. I know that we're, we're going way too far to the left of the American consensus on where we should be on this. And you just cannot have a policy where a Border Patrol agent arrests someone at the border and says, in effect, you get to stay here unless you commit a crime. Right. Uh, that just simply incentivizes more illegal immigration. We, we lose control of our borders. Uh, in the same vein, by, by taking a formal step of decriminalizing illegal migration, what we're saying as a country and as a society is we're prepared to see a lot more of this. See, this is when the Democrats were talking about we need more immigration and we need to decriminalize the people coming in across the border. Near the end of Donald Trump's first term, and I say that intentionally, first term, because I believe we're looking at the very strong possibility of a second term, and you can't wait to hear what the people of Chicago are saying about the possibility of a Donald Trump second term. Trust me, you can't wait to hear it. Uh, a lot of it relates to this border thinking. And this administration has just been absent in telling anybody the truth and, and being honest with anybody about the borders. Uh, Mayorkas, what a disaster talking about the borders. The president could not have been clearer in his articulation of this administration's position, nor could I have been clearer and continued to be. So, which is the border is closed. <laughs> and this administration administers and enforces the laws of the United States of America. Sure. Sure, that's what's going on at the border. That's, that's what's happening at the border is the administration of the laws of America. Nothing of the kind is happening. It is one of the greatest messes I have ever seen in my life. And it is disastrous and going to be worse. What we don't know is how bad this is going to get. Because there's just no way to tell. It's absolutely impossible to figure out how far this is going to go. And how much worse it's going to get, especially for the cities that are overrun. Uh, the guy here in uh, Philadelphia, or the guy who's coming here, we should find out if he's arrived. Um, Henry, you saw this clip of the guy um, who Bill Malusian ran into uh, yesterday as he was crossing through the border at Eagle Pass. Did you happen to catch that video of the guy? No, I haven't. Okay, Bill Malusian, who's doing yeoman duty on the border. He is, uh, he's down there 
watching everybody come across. He's recording. He's even getting video of some of the coyotes who come all the way up to the fence and then they wave at the cameras. It is one of the more insulting things I've ever seen. One of the more, um, I have another term for this, which I probably can't use, uh, but it's it's just flat out, He's he's got major uh, cojones. Let's just say that. Okay. If, if you understand that, good for you because you, you paid attention in Spanish, and I appreciate that. But this guy goes right up to the border fence and is guiding through the people that he's probably getting between five and ten thousand dollars per person from them and then he he's covered up his his uh, nose and his mouth he's got a a mask on one that would not be legal in town now and uh he just waves at the cameras and shrugs his shoulders because it's okay and then one of the guys who came through was this guy from uh guinea or uh, might have been uh yeah, I think it was from Guinea. He didn't speak much English. And uh, Malusian went right up to him and asked him where he was hoping to go. And the guy actually held up the paper here. Where in the U.S. do you want to go to? Uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. Why Philadelphia? Uh, I have paper. I don't uh, know the place. Let me check the place. Let me check the place. Okay, so just an address in Philadelphia to go to? Okay. Guy can barely speak English. But he's got a piece of paper that he bought, probably paid five to seven thousand dollars to one of the coyotes, and it it's got an address. So he he gets across the border, and then he encounters either a um, a border agent who's been reassigned instead of protecting our border. That border agent has to process the people who are here illegally, claiming they are in fear of their lives claiming they want asylum because that's what they've been told. That's the magic phrase. That's the phrase that pays if you're crossing the border. What's the phrase that pays? We'll give you a plane ticket or a bus ticket anywhere you want to go. And here's your cell phone. And here's some clothes, by the way. Are you hungry? We'll take care of that, too. Flying these people all over the country. And what is this doing? In New York City, the story out of New York is that 50% of the children in the public schools this year don't speak English as a primary language. So what does just that one statistic do to the cost of operating a school district, which is already, I think, the most expensive school district in the country? Now you have to bring in people to speak to these children in hopes to educate them. That's just one aspect of it. And so where is Joe Biden on this? It's a dereliction of duty to allow this to go on on our southern border. And I will tell you, we're starting to see the Democrats turn on this. We're starting to see the Democrats stand up and say, well, you know, it might be a good idea for us to do something about this. It might be just smart for us to maybe maybe think about changing the policies and maybe closing the border. And then the left starts screaming, no, you can't do that. Because, you know, we're, a, we're we, they want us to be a sanctuary nation. Well, the city of Chicago is fighting back. And I want to play you something from a, a couple of black gentlemen who were walking around the streets of Chicago 
worried about the homeless problem there, worried about the veterans who are homeless there, and worried about what's going to happen to their city. And they're, they're not alone. This is just one slice of what's going on around the country. We'll get to it just around the corner. And if uh, you choose to join us, you are always welcome to be a part of the conversation here. 855-839-1210. Oh, I guess I... Uh, do I have time to take a couple of calls, Henry, or should yeah. I wait till right after? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So let's go to uh, Terry in Morristown. She's one of the Saturday night regulars, so I'm happy to see the Saturday nighters are here with us in the daytime. Hello, Terry. Welcome to the program. Hi. Merry Christmas, Mike. Hey, I got two questions for you. I might know the answer to the first one, but my question regarding this whole thing with Trump right now, if he, well, when he wins the election, um... I'm wondering, can he pardon himself because they're state? Now, maybe D.C. he can. Can he do it in Georgia and New York? That's a, that's a good question. And um, I think the Saturday night show, which is 7 to 10 tomorrow night to everybody who has never listened, um, I think Wendy Patrick might be joining us, the attorney, to answer that. Because okay. um, Donald Trump has some pardon powers, but it's mm-hmm. not unlimited. So we, we could see. And I think... <laughs> One my, more question after that. Well, Go ahead. One, my personal opinion, if these trials get moved till after the election, I'm just guessing, and this is a speculation, that all of these cases could probably go away. They might mm-hmm. just turn tail and run That's because great. it'd be a giant waste of time and money. But that wasting mm-hmm. time and money has never been a Democrat problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my second question uh, because of Merrick Garland, I think nothing gets done with uh, Biden. He is definitely uh, not held up to what he swore on the Bible about upholding the Constitution. He, in my head, I think he's done treason. So nothing's going to happen to him while he's in office. How long can that last after he's out of office? The Will Hunter Biden, new Attorney General. The uh, the Hunter Biden uh, case, uh, or, no, no, no. Uh, or something with Joe? No, Daddy. Well, Daddy Biden, because he is not upholding, he's not protecting our borders. No, he's, he's not. not taking, he, no. So can he be charged with treason? But after he's out of office and when we get a new attorney general. Well, if he's not impeached, that's a good possibility. He could be. But I think a lot of people would say, what's the point? You know, he's cognitively declining. And at the, by the time that comes around, he might be drooling all over the place and not really be able to even stand up and answer a question. Just saying. I, yeah, I understand. Well, so anyway, the humanity you take has care. To- Looking forward to listening to uh, Wendy tomorrow night, and of course you, and uh, Merry Christmas <laughs> in the meantime, okay? Thank you, Terry. Merry Christmas. And from Terry Thank to you. Terry, from Morristown to Broomall, it's Terry to Terry. Hello, Terry. How are you? Michael, how are you? Merry Christmas to everybody at 1210. Thank you. I just want to say this. I told your call screener. Joe Biden is for fair share, correct? Well, that's what he pay, says. Pay your fair share. Well, when is Delaware going to get 100,000 immigrants for their see, fair share? See, uh, as a resident of Delaware, that makes me I very know. nervous. But I also think I that it would be great if... Um, Greg Abbott would send a couple of those plane loads to the beach house of the Bidens. I think it it would, it would be uh, a beautiful, well, he, he did it to the vice president's uh, address in DC. So why wouldn't he do it to Delaware? Well, you have pull, you know, Abbott, right? 
Well, I, I know Dan Patrick. I know his lieutenant governor, but I don't, I don't know the governor. So I might send Dan an email and see what he says. I'll, <laughs> let, you know, I'll let you know, Terry. I'll let you know. It's a this, good idea. This guy's out of control, man. The yeah, country's and, out of control. And, and I don't think we've seen the worst of that. That problem could get worse. And so while other things are starting to look up, you know, they say the economy's turning around, but capitalism has a way of correcting itself no matter what the government does. So uh, we'll see. Because I remember when the stock market was rocking, the Democrats were quick, quick to say, government doesn't have any effect on the stock market. That's, that's the free market. And it has highs and lows. But now, now that the stock market's rocking, you bet that they're going to take credit for it, just like Donald He's Trump was. Take credit. Uh, well, Biden will, and he'll, he'll try and claim yeah, when I sent when I sent my letter to Trump, the stock market when Trump was elected was eighteen thousand. By his second year, it was thirty four thousand. Okay, and I said in my letter that by the end of your third year, it'll be forty thousand. And because of COVID, everything. That's true. Yeah. Uh, COVID is the asterisk on all the economic stats everywhere. And it it truly is. You have to write it off as uh, as the effect that that can't really you can't. No one can claim COVID or blame COVID, but it just happened and it affected everything. So. Right. Listen, I'll let you go. And thank you for taking my call. Merry Christmas, brother. Thank you for being there. we got to take a break. It is Michael Pelka in for Zioli. You want to join us? 855-839-1210. We're going to go to Chicago and uh, hear what I think is going to be a very popular theme starting uh, as soon as today for the rest of the year. It's Michael Pelka in for Zioli on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. Merry Christmas, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Delaware, anybody else is listening on the internets. It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on The Zioli Show. Uh, it should be Gavin DeGraw, right, Henry? You are absolutely correct. Gavin DeGraw, a guy who has just a beautiful voice, put out his first Christmas record this year. And it is spectacular. The production is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So congratulations, Gavin DeGraw. Uh, if you're a fan of smooth Christmas music, we'll get to some of the other freaky stuff, too. Uh, I wanted to get to Chicago because we were talking about the border and my old home, my old hometown, the city of Chicago has descended into a mess. It's an absolute mess. And they're a sanctuary city. And what do they get? Like 30,000 immigrants, 35,000 immigrants. And Mayor Brandon Johnson is losing his mud over this. And can't handle it. We have a governor, a governor, an elected official in the state of Texas that is placing families on buses without shoes, cold, wet, tired, hungry, afraid, traumatized. The governor of Texas needs to take a look in the mirror of the chaos that he is causing for this country. Hmm. So the governor of Texas is the problem, not the president who's opened the borders. Brandon Johnson is not going to be reelected. I can predict that now. And he just got there. He's a Democrat. But, you know, you know who else is a Democrat in the city of Chicago? Alderman Raymond Lopez. And uh, Raymond Lopez heard the mayor and he was like, oh, hold on a second. Hold on, mayor. 
My mayor is blaming everyone except the person who needs to get the blame, and that is President Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who are responsible for protecting and securing our borders and for having a functional immigration system. If we want this to stop, we have to secure the border. We have to stop the draw, which is all the free benefits that people are hearing about and posting about. Hmm. Yeah, that's the problem. All these people think they can come here and uh, cut the line, if you will ahead of all the other folks who are trying to do it legally. And uh, therein lies the huge problem that is now affecting cities like here in Philadelphia, where we had the guy who just had the piece of paper across the border said, I go to Philadelphia. Uh, very interesting to me. But the Chicago people are starting to stand up and say, hold on a second here. We've been here all of our lives. We are a community that needs our city to look out for us, the taxpayers of the city of Chicago, the people who work and every day support this city. And that's a problem because now the city is spending hundreds of millions of dollars on the people who cut the line. And we don't even know who they are. And there are almost three million people in Chicago. Over 3 million people, if you count Chicago land, the bedroom communities in the suburbs. But they've only gotten 34,000 and the system is breaking? Hmm. Something ain't right here. Well, a couple of Chicagoans started wandering the streets and made a video. And when we come back, when we kick off the second hour, I want to play you some of the comments from these very insightful men who I think uh, are pointing us out to a new reality for Chicago. It might be MAGA country. Jesse Smollett may have predicted the future. All right. Checking out the first hour. It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non stop talk with Rich Zioli. It is Friday. It is the Zioli Show. It is the drive at 5.30 minutes of nonstop talk, but it's not Zioli. It's me, Michael Pelka, sitting in for my buddy, Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here. Merry Christmas, if you celebrate. And if you're getting ready for the new year, Happy New Year. I'll be back tomorrow, too, 7 to 10, because I love you so much. And I also enjoy this radio station and this audience, so thanks for being here. So many stories to get to, and uh, I, I know we're only halfway through the show. We will talk about some of the warnings of uh, what's going on with China and Taiwan. Very interesting stuff happening there. Uh, there also are um, uh, some crazy comments from Randy Weingarten. You know her. She's the head of one of those big teachers unions. And uh, she is full of contradictions. Well, you've also been hearing about the Supreme Court kind of kicking Jack Smith down the road and telling him, no, we're, we're not going to expedite 
your case here. You have to let this go through regular order. It has to go to the D.C. Uh, court first before we can even jump on it. So the March trial date that, that Jack Smith envisioned is now at risk. And if he doesn't get it by May 5th, the speculation is that the trial can't happen because it can't happen within six months of the election. It's an unofficial policy. So uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But I, I was just looking over the numbers today from the, the close of the week. And as you heard in the head news, the headline news report there, uh, we had a small gain in the Dow Jones uh, today. And that means it was a small gain for the week. But I think that's I think that's eight weeks in a row. I, I could be wrong, but I rely on smarter people than I to cover the, the economy and the finances. And that's why I reached out to our friend Jonathan Honig from CapitalistPig.com. You've seen him on uh, Fox Business. You've seen him on Fox. Uh, and he's joining us here. Hey, Jonathan, uh, happy holidays to you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. Merry Christmas. And like, look, we finally have a little something to celebrate about the economy. I mean, prices finally have started to fall even just a little bit. They fell the first time last month for, for the first time since April of 2020. So, you know, look, we, everyday families have been they're celebrating, of course, but we've been feeling it. I mean, we're still paying about ten to $12,000 more for the same basket of goods and services from just two years ago. So finally, we're getting a little bit of good econ- uh, news on the economy after a very brutal two years. Now, Jonathan, when you say prices fell, last week or was it last month i i didn't know which one was which um but gasoline went back up this week it went up from 305 to 312 so there was a a return back to the upward trend how do they figure out prices are falling well th- this is government reports the cpi for example you know the the ppi that you know they showed that inflation might keep in mind it was running north of nine percent just a year year and a half ago uh, and it's fallen quite dramatically. You're right, gas prices are up in the past couple of days, but they're still not too far off from where they were, uh, you know, excuse me, they're not too far off from their, their yearly lows. So, you know, the economy is, is, is growing. It's, inflation is still there, but it's growing at a much slower rate than it was even just a few months ago. So when we say inflation's growing, it's growing, but it's not, as you said, the 9%. It's still just 3%. But that's still higher than what it was in Donald Trump's last few months, right? Well, that's true. And it's still hurting everyday Americans, Mike. I mean, there's this dichotomy we've been talking about even over the last couple of months, whereas the economic numbers getting better, but everyday American situations seem to be getting worse. You know, there's a stat out this week that homelessness is up. You'd think if the economy was rebounding, if, you know, the market's doing well, homelessness is up. 12% 12% from 2022. It's at its highest level since 2007. And, you know, Mike, you're hearing a lot of people talk about a soft landing. They're, they see a soft landing for the economy. I'm not a Cassandra, but they said the same thing in 2000. They said the same thing in 1990. They said the same thing in 2007. Uh, and there was a, a pretty steep recession after all of those incidents. Um, we're talking with Jonathan Honig, CapitalistPig.com, about the economy and trying to understand it because the administration keeps telling us, oh, everything's, Binomics is working, everything's just doing great, you're just not feeling it yet. How long does it take, Jonathan, before all these economic indicators like the markets, 
will then trickle into reality and we'll start feeling this. Well, you know, Mike, you're you're actually starting to see some worrisome signs from the markets. Look, they've been up pretty strong, obviously. But just this past week, for example, you saw two major companies, General Mills and FedEx, talk about weaker demand. So markets been on a hell of a roll, and a lot of it has to do with the, the AI-related companies, which truly are uh, into some new technology. But, you know, there's concerns moving forward. And, you know, again, not to be a Cassandra, but even in the mid-1970s, Gerald Ford and his administration thought they had the uh, inflation licked. It came back pretty dramatically once Carter got around, once Carter started spending and, and stuck around basically until the first couple of years of Reagan's presidency. So, you know, I, I don't think we're out of the woods just yet, despite the fact that, you know, many in Washington are taking a victory lap this week. Yeah, taking a big victory lap. And they're also pointing forward to the indications that the Federal Reserve may not just hold rates, but they may actually cut rates. And they they signaled two or possibly three rate cuts in the next 12 months, that kind of, you know, looking at this through a political lens, because I always do that because of who I am, that feels like that's a gift to Democrats. Or is there a neutrality that we can attach to the Fed's actions? Well, keep in mind, Mike, where we're coming from. And this has been an unprecedented series of rate increases going on for two years to some of the highest interest rates in decades. And so even some modest cuts. And, you know, you're right. There is a political element to the Fed, but the market itself actually has been telegraphing uh, these interest rate cuts. In fact, mortgage rates are at a seven-month low. So even mortgage rates have been coming down. Now, I don't know if it's a gift from the Federal Reserve, but it's a gift that we've been paying for through all those higher interest rates for quite some time. You know, even everyday Americans have been feeling it. Even this past year, we saw credit card debt uh, reach new multi-year highs. Delinquency on car loans reach new multi-year highs. So, you know, everyday Americans, I, don't, I think, have really suffered from not only the higher interest rates, but certainly the higher inflation. And any respite of that, whether it's lower interest rates, slowing inflation, lower prices, every American should be thankful for that this holiday season. Yeah, I, I just wonder, when, when do the Fed holding rates or possibly cutting rates, when does that hit credit card rates, Jonathan? Because there are cards that are at 30%. And, oh, you know, yeah. that's that just seems usury to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty crazy. My four in 10 cards and just a study out this week from LendingTree, four out of 10 credit cards have interest rates of 30 percent or more. And look, we've talked about this in the past. If you're paying 30 percent uh, on credit card debt, that's a hole you're never going to get out of. doesn't matter how good the stock market is. So, you know, the fact that credit card interest rates keep going up. And if you talk to the credit card companies, they say it's because delinquencies are going up. You're getting more and more people who are delinquent on their bills. And one good indication of that, Mike, is what's happening with student loans. You know, uh, Biden and uh, Trump as well basically uh, stopped payment on student loans. And then it had to restart just a couple of months ago. We've got 40 percent of those who owe student loans are not paying them back. So it's not because the swimming in money in the economy is so good. But the fact that still so many loan delinquencies out there is a really worrisome sign moving into 2024. So if we have student loan delinquencies, which are considerable at 40 percent of the uh, of the outstanding loans, that that's big. If we have uh, car loans showing considerable delinquencies, as well as there is a report, Jonathan, I'm sure you saw this, that many of those new car loans are underwater because the value of the cars has dropped faster than the, the value of the loan. So now 
there are four and five and six thousand dollars underwater between what they owe and what the car is worth. Um, uh, how are these not considered indicators that there's still a threat for a, a crash among at least the consumer end of the of the economy? Well, that's why I'm skeptical, Mike, of uh, a lot of the talk out of Washington. I mean, look, not being political here, as you know, my friend Neil Cavuto says, it's not red or, or blue, it's green. And the Fed said that inflation would be transitory. Remember that two years ago? They said, oh, it will be transitory. Well, it stuck around to some of the worst inflation we'd seen in decades. And I think to your point, it's spot on. I mean, everyday Americans are in increasingly worse financial shape. It's great that, you know, some of the financial pressures they've been feeling are, are slowing east at least a little bit. But uh, whether it's that credit card debt, whether it's what they call the hardship withdrawals from 401ks, people have been raiding their 401ks. So you know, a, a great goal, I think, for 2024 is everyone just, to, as they say, get his and her financial house in order. Whittle down that credit card debt, as we always talk about, get uh, you know six months of uh, living expenses on the sidelines. And what you find, Mike, is that you sleep better at night. You know, you don't worry about the next two or five or even 10% in the Dow or whatnot like that because you've got savings, you've got your credit card debt taken care of. So it's a great goal for all of our listeners in 2024. Yeah, and everybody's out there spending today because they're telling us all this confidence and they're telling us everyone's overspending as as the uh, consumer confidence index is through the roof. But Jonathan, a trillion dollars in credit card debt, a trillion dollars in consumer credit card debt, and then you've got uh, over a trillion dollars in student loan debt. At what point is there pressure to try and, I guess, default on all of that and write it off? And that's a big danger because wouldn't that then be a liability to us? Wouldn't that trigger more inflation? Well, one of the big indicators, Mike, the last couple of weeks has been a uh, you haven't heard much about it, but it's been a pretty precipitous drop in the value of the dollar. At the same time, a, a pretty precipitous jump in the price of gold. You know, gold had a all-time high this week. So now, you know, two, a couple of years ago, it took only $1,000 to buy an ounce of gold. Now it takes north of $2,000 to buy that same ounce of gold. So pretty interesting, again, for, you know, those of us who are market watchers, at the same time the Fed is talking about interest rates and in, in inflation going down, you're seeing the value of our currency, the dollar itself, drop, and gold prices hit an all-time high. Wow. I hadn't seen... Um Gold crossed the $2,000 threshold. I'll have to keep an eye on that. Let me ask you, Jonathan Honig from CapitalistPig.com. As we're looking at the economy and our domestic economy seems to be healthy, and I know the administration likes to say we're the envy of the rest of the world, and frankly, America's always been the envy of the rest of the world. Our, our capitalist system, I always thought, was, was the gold standard, if you will. And I'm wondering the situation in the Middle East, especially with what's going on in the Red Sea, as well as the saber rattling China is doing as relates to Taiwan, if either or both of those situations get more dangerous, more kinetic, if you will, what does that do to us? How big of our economy, how much of our economy is at risk? Well, you know, Mike, a lot of what you mentioned in terms of the jump of oil prices had a lot to do with exactly as you said, that saber rattling in the Middle East. You know, look, uh, there's always been a strong correlation between how free an economy is and how successful it is. And all the talk about China being such a superpower, you know, Mike, 
Chinese stocks are at uh, the lowest they've been in over three years. They've been dropping steadily. The more authoritarian, the more controlled China has become, the worse their economy has become. So, you know, I'm, I'm not concerned about America, Mike, if we stay free. And the further we, we move away from those free market principles of, of capitalism and individual rights, I think the more our economy suffers. So, you know, I, I'm worried about what you mentioned, you know, unrest in the Middle East, unrest in China and Taiwan, et cetera. But I think as long as this country stays free, we'll stay healthy, we'll stay strong. The big question is not so much on Wall Street, it's in D.C. and Washington. That's going to be the big question in 2024. Yeah, and and I'm wondering um, if you were to give anybody uh, just a blanket advice based on what we talked about, it sounds like Jonathan Honig from Capitalist Pig would say, reduce your personal debt, get rid of as many of those uh, liabilities you have that rely on credit and things you have to pay interest on, and maybe, just maybe, look at things that are in that commodity area like gold and silver to bolster some of your investments going forward. Should we look at, at more traditional investing to... to <laughs> Absolutely, Mike. I mean, look, if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, now is the time to think long term. And, you know, we always say, oh, think long term, but then the market goes down a little bit, we get scared and we're out of it. It's all about having a portfolio that fits your own uh, you know, lifestyle, your own place in life. But more than anything, Mike, those, as, you, as you mentioned, and you've had some experience with this yourself. I mean, when you're trying to dig out under 25, 30, 35 percent interest rates, there's just no way that anyone is making enough money to dig out of that. So make that a goal for 2024 and get the year started on a strong foot. Yeah, thank you for not hanging all of my laundry out in public. I told Jonathan in a previous interview, I, I woke up in my 20s and I had $30,000 in credit card debt. And it took but a you while. you yourself out of it. Yeah, it took a while. It took, there was a lot of austerity in my life for several years. But you know what? Living without credit card debt is, as you said, one of the greatest ways to have a good night's sleep. And, you know, home debt's a different thing. But credit Absolutely. card debt. It's an investment. Yeah. And it, it, they've almost never disappointed, no matter, you know, there there are waves in the housing market and the real estate market, but they tend to always, in the long game, be great investments. And my dad used to say, get you some land. They're not making any more. It's, it's a great <laughs> it's some land and some land you could afford. I think that's been what's so one of what's been so difficult, Mike, about the inflation, about the, the housing market being upside down, is that you know younger people now getting out of school with all that, not just the uh, school loans, but the credit card debt and the mortgage rates now finally starting to come down. So, you know, we're still in the most free entrepreneurial capitalist country in the history of the world. It's good reason to celebrate this holiday season, no matter who's in, in uh, the Oval Office, office in D.C. Always, fo- always positive on America, and I think that's what's needed. Uh, it's, it's an apolitical stance because capitalism is apolitical. Jonathan Honig is our friend. Jonathan, you're up to something again because you're not just about finance. Uh, you've got a book coming out. What's the new book about? Thank you, Mike. It's about my second major love besides money, and that is dogs. The new book is called Can You Really Love a Dog? It's available at Amazon.com. I co-wrote it with a gentleman by the name of Leonard Peikoff. It takes a philosophical look at a very interesting question. How can you really love a dog? What type of a love is it compared to, say, a person or a, a piece of art or whatnot? So it's Can You Really Love a Dog? Jonathan Honig and Leonard Peikoff at Amazon. Thanks so much for mentioning it. And, Mike, your copy is in the mail. Oh, I love that. And I I can already answer the question. It didn't need to be a whole book, Jonathan. Yes. 
You really can love a dog. And Winnie the Poodle is our current example of that. I'm always posting pictures of her. Jonathan Honig, thank you for always making yourself available and trying to bring clarity to uh, an otherwise very confusing subject, and that is the economy. My friend, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year's. We will talk again in the future. Merry Christmas, Billy. Be well, Mike. And there we go. Clock Happy Hour is brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday, now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelKMA.com. Jonathan Honig, always always a pleasure. And uh, just like the uh, Grand Hotel at Cape May, Rich Zioli's happy place. Thank you, Grand Hotel at Cape May. We appreciate you. I, I I hope you were taking notes, Henry, because Honig, every word he said is gold, and now the the value of gold has gone up considerably in the last three months. I mean, yeah, it's not hard to see why. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't realize the dollar had gone down precipitously. I wasn't paying attention like that. But that's why we talked to Jonathan, mm-hmm. and that's where we're glad he's here. Uh, a couple other stories I have to make sure we get to. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, I was never a fan of the TV show The Dukes of Hazard. I know that might diminish my my ratings in the minds of some of you, but it's just never a show that I got around to watching. And uh, I knew the song because how could you not know the song? And I think I knew um, the girl who played, uh, was it Daisy Duke? Was that the name of the character who wore the shorts named after her? I, I believe so, yeah. And did she marry Ringo Starr at one point? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, we need to do some homework on yeah, that. Hold on. Uh, uh, but I think her name was Catherine Bach. But uh, the Dukes of Hazard ran for several years, a very popular show. Uh, but one of the stars of the Dukes of Hazard, John Schneider, is probably spending a lot of quality time with the Secret Service these days. And it's not because he's a presidential candidate, but it's because he said something about the current president. John Schneider took to Twitter X and responded to President Biden's recent post. Uh, This happened uh, very recently. Joe Biden posted, Trump poses many threats to our country. The right to choose, civil rights, voter rights, and America's standing in the world. But the greatest threat he poses is to our democracy. If we lose that, we lose everything. That's what Joe Biden posted. And, you know, he got 11,000 reposts and 40,000 likes, etc., and 31,000 reactions to it. Well, one of the reactions to that post by Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. was from John Schneider. Who doesn't have a uh, a blue check mark by his name? I might add, he's just John Schneider, but it is the John Schneider from the Dukes of Hazard. He wrote, "Mr. President, I believe you are guilty of treason, and should be publicly hung. Your son too. Your response is question mark Sincerely, John Schneider. Now, whether or not you agree with John Schneider and his opinion, uh." You don't write that the president should be hanging in public. That's just not smart. Now, maybe maybe John Schneider was overserved at the time. Who knows? 
But uh, I'm certain, relatively certain, he got at least a phone call from the Secret Service, if not a knock on the door. Because that's just, uh, you have to be smart, people. You can't be out there talking about hanging the president in public. So we'll find out. The Secret Service, according to every report I have read, the Secret Service isn't really open about telling you about meetings they have with people like this. So uh, I I doubt we're going to get an actual report unless John Schneider decides to sit on his front porch and tell us what happened. But when you're on social media, just uh, take a moment. And uh, as my grandmother used to say, be smart for yourself. Let's let's not be out there um, advocating for uh, the public hanging of public officials. Yeah. Just, well, in lighter news, I'll answer your question about earlier. Catherine Bach, who played Daisy Duke. Yes. Uh, she was not married to Ringo. Oh, she was not? Oh, Barbara Bach was married to Ringo Starr. Mm. Are they sisters? That's a good question. Um, I don't mean to send you down a, uh, no. a Bach rabbit hole. They are not siblings. Wow. But they were both very attractive people. Oh, absolutely. Very good. Well, thank you for the instant research. But uh, Catherine Bach made these uh, very short blue jean shorts, jean shorts, very popular. I remember that, but I never watched an episode of the show. Yeah, I only know, like, the name just through pop culture. I never watched the show either. Well, uh, what's the sheriff's name? Uh, Hold on. Sheriff Roscoe something. Yeah, Roscoe Roscoe P. Coltrane. Yeah, Roscoe that sounds. Yeah, th- that sounds familiar. That sounds. Uh, and again, never seen the show, but I I can tell you about the car jumping over the water, and they uh, the car's name was uh, General Lee or something right. like that. And I I know there was an outcry from the woke universe because the General Lee had uh, there were Confederate flags somewhere in the show. So people wanted uh, the show removed, like the monument that was taken out of, uh, out of uh, Arlington the other day, the Confederate monument that was taken apart and removed from Arlington National Cemetery because it was a Confederate monument, and even though there was a plaque on it explaining that it was not something that we endorsed, the left wanted it removed, and so it was removed. Now, it was supposedly going to go into a museum. But as of early this morning, because we were checking on it, as of early this morning, uh, that was not put in a museum, but it is in parts, in pieces, in a warehouse. And I have a problem with that. I, I think we should not hide our history. We should acknowledge it and tell people it's wrong. But if we destroy it, if we take it down, we become the Taliban taking down all statues and blowing stuff up. And then, you know, if we start doing this, it's kind of like taking Donald Trump off of the ballot in Colorado. You then open the door for other actions on the other side. You open the door for 32 Republican governors to take Joe Biden off the ballot in their states and come up with some crazy excuse to say that he's, uh, he's guilty of treason because of what he did at the border without him ever being accused or tried of treason. And that's just not the way the country should run. The people should be the ones who decide. 
But, you know, the statue that was taken down in Arlington National really bothered me. They took this down because Arlington, if you've ever been there, if you've ever been to any military cemetery, these are sacred places. And those monuments are there for a reason, even if they're a reason we disagree with. It's our history. Victor Davis Hanson, who I consider to be one of the great minds ever in the world of politics, Victor Davis Hanson was talking about the removal of the Confederate statue and said, well, if you take this thing down, it might trigger a reaction to some other American politicians who need to be removed from the public square. They always fixate on certain things. They don't talk about maybe, according to their logic, FDR, he put Japanese Americans in in internment camps and he denied entry to Jews who were trying to flee the Holocaust, sent them back to Germany where they ended up at Treblinka and Auschwitz. But we don't tear down FDR statues. Well, maybe we should. Maybe we should start talking about tearing down FDR statues if we're going to continue removing our history. No, instead, what they did with FDR and FDR's reputation, this is kind of interesting. I believe that the FDR statue that went up in Washington, D.C. in the last 20 years, they removed the cigarette. Because, you know, it's not politically correct to show that people used to smoke. And there was originally a cigarette scheduled to be in that statue of FDR, and they took it out. Just like they took the smoking and some of the guns out of movies in the 80s and 90s because we were trying to, you know, change everything. Kind of amazing. Great, great idea from Victor Davis Hanson. That's uh, excellent. If you're going to start playing this game, we're going to start playing too, and you're not going to like the outcome. I think many times the left tries to um, remove some of these these monuments because many Democrats were among the people being memorialized. The Democrats gave us the KKK. The Democrats gave us a lot of the segregation in this country, and they're trying to erase that history because it reflects badly on them. So much to get to tonight. we got to talk about the cars. Uh, Lauren Fix, the car coach, is going to join us. Have to talk about the Catholic Church and the move to allow priests to bless gay unions as long as they don't look like a gay marriage. I have a theory, and we'll ask my friend Billy Hallowell. He is uh, a faith writer with the Washington Times. He's also with the Christian Broadcasting Network. And uh, your calls and your thoughts are always welcome. You're, uh, you're part of the program. 855-839-1210 is the number. 855-839-1210. It's Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in the free Odyssey app. Henry, I have to salute you. I, I really do have to salute you. That's Leon Redbone, is it not? Yeah, it is. That's a good ear. I love Leon Redbone, the late Leon Redbone. I believe he's not with us anymore. Leon Redbone, I don't know who the female voice is. Who is that? That is Zoe Deschanel. This is the, uh, Zoe Deschanel? Yeah, this is the uh, from the Elf soundtrack. See, I'm, I'm not a fan of Elf, but that that voice, Leon Redbone, uh, I once got to see Leon Redbone do a night of Christmas carols 
at a small theater in New York City where everybody had a songbook. And he just came out and we had the greatest time. He's just so wonderful. Zoe Deschanel, eh. That's okay. Good for her. But excellent pick. Excellent pick. Because everybody would have gone to Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett. Oh, yeah. That's a good one, too, though. But th- but this one this one is infinitely richer with the, the, uh, the tones of Leon Redbone. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who Leon Redbone people is... Uh, is people check him out it's michael pelka by the way in for rich zioli on the zioli show and uh happy friday friday luya to you merry christmas if you're done with your christmas shopping good for you you show off i have to do the wrapping i'm not done with the wrapping yet and so i've i've got a night of paper cuts in hell coming so we'll take care of that but we also have radio tomorrow night, 7 to 10 p.m. Uh, we'll cover all the news du jour and a few surprises, a couple of special guests, of course, your calls, 855-839-1210. Always welcome. One of our favorites is uh, Lauren Fix, the car coach, somebody I, I talk to pretty much every week because there's always something going on in the world of cars. And let's face it, pretty much all of us have cars in common. That's how the majority of us get from point A to point B. And so when, whenever there's car news, I, I reach out to Lauren Fix. We talk about uh, new cars, old cars. We talk about the way government's getting involved in the cars in the automotive world. And the government is involved in the cars in the automotive world. And it's ticking people off. It's ticking me off. It's ticking Lauren Fix off. Lauren Fix, can you please explain what the heck is going on here? You're all upset about this? All right. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration wants your feedback on the kill switches. I posted like four videos on this. The first one didn't even do well. The second one won over three million views. So that tells me you are mad. And I'm glad to hear that. Wake up, people. They're going to put these kill switches in in 2026 in all production cars. But there's a problem. NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety, is saying, well, there's a chance there's some false positives. That'd be a problem if there's an emergency you have to get somewhere. And you know how ticked off consumers will get if that's the situation. So to be sure, NHTSA wants to make sure that you understand that these are going to be some problems they're going to have. So they're asking for your commentary and feedback. So they give us a link. Of course, that link leads you to the federal registry, uh, regulations.gov, and I get to all these different sites, and you know what? It's extremely difficult to find NHTSA 2022-0079, and when I found it, you can't comment. So what I did is I tracked it down, and I spent quite a bit of time for you to find out the guy's name, who to contact, in addition to... His email, his phone number, everything. And so what I did is I posted it in the comments and I posted it in the descriptions. If you have something to say about these regulations and you're not happy about it, all you have to do is contact David Freeman. He's the Chief Vehicle Controls and Adapted Vehicle Division. I got his phone number. I got his email. I got his regular address. Time for a letter writing campaign, my friends. Tell them you don't want these in your car and you're not willing to stand for a false positive. If you have cough medicine, if, I don't know, you rinsed your mouth out with mouthwash, whatever it might be. It's If it detects alcohol, your car's not going to start and wow. you're in what they call kill switch jail. All right. So go to Lauren's YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports, and she'll have it in the uh, in the report there. And I'm sure will you tweet out a link or tweet out something on X 
that will have all of that information as well so we can get people writing sure. and calling his office? I think that's a great oh. idea. So please, this is your chance. Send him as many emails and communications as you can to let him know, hey, listen, and be be courteous. You're not looking to yell at him. You're not going to scream at him. You want to let him know these are the facts. I don't like this. I don't want this. That's what they want to hear. Anytime you're yelling and screaming and acting irrational, they're just going to delete it. Instead, have some common sense and write something Yes. and just fill up their inboxes. That's it. We're going to bury them with email and calls, but be yes. nice. All right, Lauren, you said... Um, yeah, I'm going to be upset about uh, something to do with China and Mexico and electric vehicles. What is this? Well, you know, China's been trying to get into the U.S. marketplace for years, as we all know. But the problem is that they have to get dealer networks and they're going to be, you know, the UAW. and everything. So how do you bypass that? So at least three companies, which is BYD, which is backed by Warren Buffett. SAIC, which goes under the name MG, the British car company, so they're working a partnership there, and Cherry, which actually owns a piece of Volvo, they have decided, we have an answer to this problem. We're going to buy land and build factories in Mexico, fully automated, so we don't need people, minimal amount of people, and we're going to build cars, Chinese cars in Mexico, and ship them to the U.S. because of the free trade agreement. And they will then get the $7,500 tax credit. Now, what's the cost of these cars? This is going to blow your mind. These cars sell in China for $15,500. Hmm. And so if they come in like $20,000 and you get a $7,500 tax credit, to you that may sound good. But what that does is it destroys the U.S. auto industry. They're already taking a loss. They will be hurting badly from this. This will hurt our economy. Even if they put a tariff on them. On these cars coming in, it's still going to be a problem. So I want you to be aware this is coming. And now suddenly the U.S. government is a little concerned. It's a little late. You built you built the, the situation, and they're coming up with a solution to bypass it. So be aware that you're going to start seeing Chinese cars. I'm not saying they're the best quality. They're not BMWs. They're not Audis. They're not Genesis. They're not Hyundais. They are Chinese cars. And we've already seen VinFast from Vietnam uh, building in Durham, North Carolina. So you're going to see a lot of low-cost cars coming in. That doesn't mean they're the safest. That doesn't mean they're the best. But if you need transportation and you want an electric vehicle, they're coming. So China's building electric vehicles in Mexico, and they're going to sell them in the U.S. They're eligible for the $7,500 tax credit. They're a lot mm -hmm. cheaper than American electric cars. We have questions about the quality, but people will buy cheap cars no matter what. And how is that mm -hmm. allowed? How is China allowed to do that? Well, they know how to beat the system. That's for darn sure. you got to give them credit for that. They, they they read everything, and they know all the rules. And they said, great, if we build in Mexico, then we can easily bring them to the U.S. because they're already doing that. And a lot of car companies are building cars in Mexico, and you know, parts go back and forth across the border. And they're thinking, what a great way to beat the U.S. system and uh, sell cars here. It's so maddening. It is infuriating oh. beyond. And I, I, you're going to push me over the limit, Lauren. Give me some Sorry. good news. Give me some news. You said, said there was some good EV news out of Germany. Yes, this is extremely interesting. So what's going on is December 13th, which we just had, Wednesday, I get an email from my friend in Germany. Uh, Jens is in charge of the World Car of the Year jury, but he's also part of the German Car of the Year. He says, did you hear the great news? I go, what is that? He goes, German has Germany, the country of, has decided to end all electric vehicle subsidies immediately. I go, Wow. That's pretty sudden. So they were giving a 6,000 euro, which is about 6,500 U.S. dollars credit toward purchasing an electric vehicle. 
They also found out that the German Supreme Court has said it's unconstitutional. And then on top of that, sales have been hideous. Interestingly enough, the number one guy for the automotive analysis in Germany is a gentleman named Professor Ferdinand Dudenhofer. And he's posted this in quote, that's it for EVs in Germany. It's good if you haven't written off the combustion engine. I was entirely wrong on the fatherland. So that is interesting. Very interesting. We only have 10 cars that qualify or this coming 2024. So if you're thinking about an electric vehicle, you better get it in in 23. But remember this, is that every government, not just Germany, should get the politicians out of people's lives, including deciding what kind of car they can manufacture and buy, and let the free market decide based on supply and demand. The consumer must be king and the market must be free. That's true. Amen, sister. I I am throwing my hands in the air and cheering you on. That's right. The free market will be the decider, not the government's. But to quote uh, Professor Dudenhofer, Krankbendugen sind verboten. Einige haben dies und Krankbendugen schlugverstucken benutzt. Right? (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) That's exactly what he sounded like. Lauren Fix, the car coach, is uh, just the best. And thank you for always paying attention to everything that's going on in the automotive world, Lauren, and helping us be smarter. And write to that guy and tell him we don't want any damn kill switches. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And there she goes. And speaking of that guy. David Freeman is the name. I will also post uh, the guy's uh, email address and office phone number because the kill switch thing is a big stinking deal. And it's going to happen unless we raise our voices. I know Thomas Massey tried to stop it, but it's really a problem. It's a big problem. Uh, Henry, um, when you're planning on buying that new car in 2026, the kill switch could be on board and if it thinks you're tired inebriated or altered it could shut your car down and you'll be in kill switch hell looks like i'll be sticking with the older models i think that's a good choice that's why i'm buying older cars i'm i'm thinking i'm gonna have like a jerry seinfeld garage full of cars they won't be porsches but they will be they will be older automobiles before the kill switch invasion happens unless we stop it which uh, there still is time, and I hope that happens. Now, uh, Henry, uh, being a man uh, who's of a, a certain intelligence, what did you think of my German interpretation? <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it was very good. <laughs> I thought your, uh, your enunciation was spot on. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, I, I know you're, you're a, a man of good breeding, and you, you were probably grading me saying, my God, he can also speak German? <laughs> Yeah, the next to come expect. We must. I think we're supposed to take a break. Uh, it's Michael Pelka. We've just got a little more than an hour to go, and I have so many things I have to get to. I, I want to do a breakdown on the mainstream media and uh, this uh, this shameful behavior of the mainstream media. We got something from our friends at Grabian. Uh, Tom Elliott and the people at Grabian decided to give us a kind of an early present on the year-end breakdown. And we'll look at some of the shameful behavior of the mainstream media. Plus, I said uh, Billy Hallowell, my buddy from uh, Christian Broadcast Network and from the Washington Times, on the Pope's decision to allow blessing of gay unions, but no marriages. You can't even make it look like it. I have a theory. I'll explain just around the corner. Opelka in for Zioli on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks for listening to the Zioli.
Pioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Brandon Stimpy Christmas. Ooh, we got it. Hey, we got it. Hey, we got it. Oh, we got it. So we got it. Yo, we got it. It is... 5.51 on a Friday evening on the Zioli Show with Michael Palka, and uh, I have, I've given Henry pretty much carte blanche on the music, the Christmas music, but you've stumped me on this one, Henry. Oh, man. Have you ever seen the movie The Polar Express? No. No. No, this, that movie, I, I don't know why it creeped me out, and I've already ticked off <laughs> Sid uh, when I said uh, I didn't like uh, Elf, and he's like, Why? And oh. I get a, why? And I said, bored me. I actually fell asleep during Elf. And really? somebody, yeah, somebody yelled at me and I said, all right, next year I'm going to try and watch it again. I put it on again and I fell asleep again. Huh. So um, we're, it's movie night tonight after the show. It has and, to be. And uh, we're going to watch Ferrari. Oh, yeah. That's, that looks like it's going to be a good movie. All I right. think it's going to be a great movie. My wife gets all those screeners because she votes on the scripts. Mm-hmm. Because she's in the Writers Guild and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. I haven't seen um, Oppenheimer or Barbie. Great movie movie as well. Or, well, we haven't seen any movies this year. Yeah, I've seen seen a couple. There have been some really good ones this year. I mean, Oppenheimer, Barbie. Oppenheimer's Oppenheimer's three hours long, right? Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half? Yeah. Do I get a bathroom break? <laughs> no, no. You don't remember that whole controversy? It's not you're not supposed to get bathroom breaks during these movies. It's not how well, they're intended to be seen. Well, you know, Reds, which was an incredible movie four thousand years ago, Warren Beatty's epic about um, about uh, Russia years ago, communism years ago. Uh, they actually had a, a tw- I think it was a twenty minute intermission. Because it was like four hours long. Mm, yeah. I think anything over four, then maybe you could consider it. I'm sorry. Three hours. If you're drinking one of those uh, gigantic buckets of soda, you, you they don't let you use it as a urinal during the, <laughs> during the screening of the movie. They frown upon that because people's aim probably isn't too good. No, I, I guess it depends who you're sitting next to. Yeah, especially if, if you're watching it. During an afternoon screening, there's probably a bunch of seniors in the audience, and there's going to be a need for a bathroom break. That's, I used to take my nieces and nephews to the movies when I'd go home for Christmas, and you take five or six a little kids, because my brothers and sisters all had a passel of children, and Uncle Mike would take them to the movies and then out to, to lunch, and five minutes into the screen, one of them looks up and goes, Uncle Mike, I have to go potty. And then every other one has mm. to go. So it's like a parade. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's what you get. But three, three and a half hours for Oppenheimer? Mm-hmm. I wanted to it's see it. it. Th- well, I want to see it at a theater, so I can't do that. So I'm going to watch it at home. Yeah, I saw, I saw it in IMAX when it came out, and that was, I think it was worth it. See, Oppenheimer in IMAX sounds good. And you said Barbie's good? I, I thought Barbie was fantastic. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very funny. And then I, I think one of the best movies this year, it just came out last month. Uh, it's a Christmas movie. It's uh, called The Holdovers, starring uh, Paul Giamatti. 
Oh, I think he's a great actor. Oh, but yeah, and he's great in this. It, it's definitely an Oscar nomination worthy. Uh, that movie tugs at the heartstrings. It's very heartfelt. I uh, don't keep you into the movie the whole two hours. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to. I'm going to do my work. I've got. I've got some free time coming up as of January second when all my fill-in work fades away. So I'm going to be movie binging. But uh, tonight, I believe tonight is. Uh, it's Ferrari, and I'm looking forward to seeing that because, you know, that, that looks like it's just going to be a great picture. I hope so. I have, I have hope and, mm-hmm. and faith on let me, that. Let me know how that goes, too. Um, well, we'll talk after, uh, you know, I might be able to, you might, the screener might find its way your direction. <laughs> don't, don't let my wife know I said that because, you know, you usually cut him up. Um, I, I haven't mentioned this today, but I really think this is an important website. I'll give you guys a, a little hip tip. I follow all the polling, but I don't think any of us trust the polling anymore because the polling's never right. But I trust where people put money. So when you're betting on the election, I think that tells you a lot if you put your money down. And so I follow electionbettingodds.com. Have you been there, Henry? This is the first I'm hearing of it. Electionbettingodds.com. Uh, Maxim Lott and John Stossel put this together. It's an amalgamation of Betfair, Smarkets, Predict It, Polymarket, and how people bet. And when people are putting their money down, it means something. So you can see, and it's broken down with the Democratic nomination, the GOP nomination, and then the chance of the presidency. And currently, Biden, uh, of course, has a lock on the Democratic nomination because they won't let anyone else run until they throw him out. So he's at 72%. Donald Trump, even though he's had kind of an interesting week, is at 78% for his party's nomination. Still well above the next closest contender of Nikki Haley, and Ron DeSantis is all the way down at 4.2%. Nobody else really matters. And then over on the presidency, it's Trump at 40.2% versus Biden at 29.9%. And then everybody else is in single digits. But I think if you look where people are putting their money, you have a better indication than the polling. So keep up on that from now till Election Day, 319 days away from today. Uh, Wrapping up the third hour, fourth hour is going to be jam-packed. We're going to have some fun with audio and my friend Billy Hallowell and maybe a few surprises. Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on The Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHD, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia, from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. It is 6.03 on this Friday evening. Michael Pelka in for my buddy Rich Zioli. He started his uh, Christmas just a little early. Good for him. God bless. And, you know, he had yesterday, too, because of the basketball game. So, double bonus. And I'll be back tomorrow night. I'll be back in, uh, in 25 hours. Uh, we'll do 7 to 10 tomorrow night. So you have to come back. There's certainly enough news earlier today. Just minutes before we went on the air, the Supreme Court announced it would not be taking Jack Smith's suggestion and allowing him to bypass the D.C. Circuit Court and, in fact, forcing him to make his case as to why Donald Trump's appeal 
should not be accepted. So this puts Jack Smith's case against Donald Trump at risk, especially if Smith wants to start this on March 4th. And he was trying to mess with Super Tuesday. That's really what was going on. That was the whole thing. So, neener, neener, neener. I think that's the correct legal term. I feel bad for you, Jack Smith. Jack Smith also has a problem that uh, an amicus brief was filed saying that Smith was improperly appointed, and I think that's absolutely true. The House of Representatives is supposed to authorize these kinds of special prosecutors. So Smith is um, ineligible, in my opinion, and we'll see how, how this case will hold up. The amicus brief uh, could, could be heard very soon. This case could be heard very soon. So maybe that will weigh into it, too, and that could just throw out the whole thing. And maybe that's why the Supreme Court didn't didn't want to uh, weigh in on this now. Maybe that's why the court kicked it back to the D.C. Circuit. So stay tuned to that. If there are any breaking news on that, we'll see. Uh, while we're talking about the Bidens, uh, this story got almost no attention. But it was about a year ago, just as Nick Hale was showing up here at uh, WPHD, uh, that uh, we heard the story that Jill Biden's press secretary was resigning. And I remember, because we got into a little dust-up, this guy, Michael LaRosa, got into a little dust-up with me and with Nick Hale on social media. I was trying to get the guy on the show, and Nick was trying to get it too. And then Nick said, hey, wait a minute, I think I went to school with this guy. And uh, he didn't have the fondest of memories of him. But we all tried to get him on the show, and the guy turned out to be a real uh, jack wagon. I think that's the technical term. And now, a year later, since his dismissal, a story has broken that Jill Biden's press secretary, Michael LaRosa, was, quote, forced out of the White House after he tried to, and this is a quote, take gay dates to his room. And that's when they were in hotels overseas and what was supposed to be a secured floor. So, you know, if you're traveling with the president, the president gets usually the presidential suite in the best hotel in town and the Secret Service takes the entire floor, if not two floors. And uh, the First Lady's press secretary traveling with the family or with the the president and his entourage would have a room on the same floor, secured floor. Well, according to the reporting in the Daily Mail, and it's pretty complete, La Rosa kept trying to bring people back to the secure floor while, you know, they were on these foreign trips, specifically in Madrid at the 2022 NATO summit uh the uh, press secretary kept trying to bring a foreign male staffer back to his room. Now, you're not allowed to do that because anybody who's into a, a secure space, like if you go into the White House, if you're invited to an event at the White House, you have to have your background checked by Secret Service usually 72 hours before. Sometimes they can do a 48-hour rush background check. But every time I've been there, 
The Secret Service says, oh, we got to have 72 hours in order to do a complete background check on you. So this guy, twice on the same trip, tried to bring a gay date back to the secure floor. Now, this is a problem on several levels. It's a problem because there could be blackmail involved. If this guy was not in, if this guy was not out, then his identity could be used to, um, his sexual preference identity could be used to compromise him and, and thus the first family be compromised. And just from a security standpoint, how do you know, how do you know this guy isn't some kind of another spy or, or a really bad actor? The Secret Service confirmed the incident to the Daily Mail. And he was caught not once but twice bringing dates to a secure floor, putting the first lady's safety at risk, and you're not supposed to do that. So a year later, this jack wagon who blocked both me and Nick on uh, social media, I think he may have unblocked us now because he's insignificant now, but you wonder why the story came out now. On the heels of the story of the uh, of the gay sex video being shot in Amy Klobuchar, Amy Klobuchar's seat in the, the Senate hearing room, did we get a clarification on whether all those chairs have been replaced yet, Henry? I haven't heard anything about that. I, mean, I wonder I wonder if we can uh, subpoena the records, uh, the purchasing records for, for the uh, Senate. I think it's in the Hart building, the Hart office building, to see if, if there were any new chairs bought for that room, <laughs> where those chairs went. And you were saying, and I had kind of heard rumblings, is there another tape out there? That that is the what the rumors are. Yes, it's another tape. Is anyone in Washington D.C. doing anything along the lines of what we expect or want them to do? Anyone? Probably not. <laughs> Seems that way. And then uh, Benny Johnson, who uh, full disclosure, I worked with Benny at the Blaze before he was over then at BuzzFeed and got caught in a kind of a plagiarism scandal and they fired him. And uh, then we found out he had plagiarized some stuff, but he since cleaned up his act. And I think everybody deserves a second chance. I think Benny has rehabilitated himself and proven to be a reliable source. But Benny interviewed a congressman who's claiming that there may be a lot of blackmailing of members of Congress people in the House and the Senate in order to get their votes. And maybe these honeypots are everywhere in D.C. You know, I need to bring up Fang Fang to explain what a honeypot is. <laughs> and we've never found Fang Fang, have we? Not I think to my she, knowledge, no. Yeah, she went back to China, I think. Anyway, so keep an eye on this. I don't think the sex scandals are done. I don't think we're anywhere near the end of the sex scandals in, uh, in D.C., and and the media's just not covering it. I didn't see much coverage of the um, gay sex video story because I, I think everybody in the in the left side of the mainstream media got very nervous about it, very very nervous about it because maybe they knew it was going on. Perhaps who knows? Madison Cawthorn, these the congressman who told us that there were orgies and drugs. In Congress and among the people in Congress, he told us he was invited to an orgy and uh, and then he was drummed out. He was told, oh, no, that stuff doesn't happen. And then 
two years later, hmm, here we are with a gay sex tape being made inside a Senate hearing room. A.B. Klobuchar, everybody. I'm sure that made her so happy. And she's such a happy person anyway. Uh, but the media and its abdication of its journalistic responsibilities, it just seems to be endless. And as the year approaches its end, thankfully, we have people like Tom Elliott over at Grabian who comb through all of the all of the news and the media's abdication of its journalistic responsibilities and put together these wonderful super montages like this one. It's called 2023's Top 10 Most Mortifying Media Moments. And we love alliteration, don't we? The Top 10 Most Mortifying Media Moments. Uh, let's kick it off with number 10, when the media was faking being sad about Donald Trump getting indicted. Remember that? The left, full of somber support. I think, really, this should be a somber moment. It's a sad day for America. I think it's sad. It's sad. It's a sad day for America. It's a sad day. It's just really sad. Sadness, I, I think. It is a serious night and a somber moment for our country. That so This is a really sad moment. So, one thing you'll notice in these montages, especially among the left side of the mainstream media, they read the talking points on any one of these very well. They all said sad and somber when talking about Donald Trump's first indictment. They were faking it. That was fake sadness. Now they're very good at making excuses for moments like when Joe Biden fell. We all remember when Joe Biden tripped and fell on stage. Oh, it was horrifying, wasn't it? And nobody likes to see an old man fall. But the media was busy making excuses about Joe Biden falling. Number nine. Peter, it looked to me right away, and they later confirmed it, that there was um, a sandbag there. It was a windy day. It was holding down the, the teleprompter stands and clearly not well placed. He tripped over a, you know, I guess there was like a sandbag. Yeah. On, and Twitter and the writer going crazy. I, I tripped in my own house. I mean, it's not easy. Same, same. So, so, so what do you think it is about Joe Biden? Is it is he so enraging to the right because he is so normal? I fell uh, in the hallway because I was wearing high heels and walking um, too fast. He got up a lot faster than I did. I triple. I also. <laughs> I tri I, it's painful to watch people trip. Oh, it's the worst. And in public. Are you kidding? It is the worst. And presidents do fall. They do. They trip and fall. He kept the American economy from falling. I mean, the president could do full handstands on the economy. It's just a fact. The numbers support that, whether he's a Democrat or Republican or whatever. Well, I mean, there are some people who are at their best in their 80s. My mom was using a chainsaw and doing her best work in her 80s. Nancy Pelosi without chainsaw. Now, that's just laughable, is it not? <laughs> Nancy Pelosi in her 80s. Joe Biden fell. He fell on a sandbag. He also fell off his bike. We've seen he's got problems. He has problems because of maybe it's the arthritis in his spine. Maybe it's the fact that he's 80,000 years old. Well, let's get to number eight. Joe Biden, do you remember when Joey went to Ukraine and he walked the streets of Kiev? And there were air raid sirens going off. I remember that. 
And the left couldn't wait to make him a hero. Couldn't wait to talk about how brave he was. And in reality, here's the reality around Joe Biden's visit to uh, Kiev, Ukraine. He flew to Poland, then he took a train supposedly for five hours. But we know he loves trains. But when he arrived in Kiev, now the story is out there. You can, you can back it up. You can find the verification on news outlets everywhere. The Biden administration called Moscow. Our Secretary of Defense called their Secretary of Defense and said, hey, our president's going to be walking around the streets of Kiev. Don't do anything stupid for a couple hours. Literally. I mean, that's not the exact translation, but you get the point. So when Joe went to Kiev and walked around the streets with Zelensky and the air raid sirens were going off, there really was no threat. But the mainstream media wanted to make it like Joe was shooting down the Red Baron. Come on. Air raid sirens and no real guarantee of security. As air raid sirens blared. This was incredibly dramatic, Andrea. It was historic as well. Historic, timely, and brave. Uh, American presidents have made dramatic trips before. Nixon to China, Kennedy, Reagan to the Berlin Wall, and presidents have visited U.S. troops in war zones, but never like this. To find a, a day of this kind of presidential bravery in a war zone, you've got to go all the way back to 1864. Seeing the American president there walking the streets of Kiev while air raid sirens literally sounded in that moment about possible incoming fire from Russia. With his aviators on to walk through in broad daylight in Kiev, the swagger of this trip. Broad daylight, bravery, historic, they all keep reading from the same talking points, don't they? It is remarkable when you look at the media malpractice, but we shouldn't be shocked by it. Uh, the number seven ridiculous, mortifying moment from the media in 2023. Number seven surrounds uh, the story, and it's a recent story. This is a very recent story, and it made the top 10. The way the media reacted when Hamas claimed Israel had bombed a hospital, killing hundreds. And within hours, literally within hours, uh, we figured it out. It wasn't Israel that bombed the hospital. It was uh, another fellow terrorist organization that launched a rocket that didn't make it into Israel, and it landed in Gaza, didn't hit the hospital, and hundreds didn't die. But the media couldn't wait to report that Israel was the bad guy on this one. This is number seven. The government in Gaza says the Israeli Defense Forces uh, struck a hospital in the center of Gaza City. An airstrike hit a Gaza City hospital, killing at least 500 people. Where a hospital was caved in, killing hundreds and stranding an untold number under the concrete. The deadliest Israeli airstrike ever. An Israeli missile struck the hospital. Absolutely horrific loss of life. This is not the first time violence has actually hit what's supposed to be, obviously, a place of healing. Deadly explosion at a hospital in Gaza. Palestinian officials say hundreds were killed and they're blaming Israel. Now Hamas is calling this a genocide. 200 to 300 people uh, believed to be dead at this stage. Also many examples of, uh, you know, 
of civilian deaths caused directly by Israel. There's no doubt about it. Minimum, at minimum, 300 people are dead. Egypt is, is saying it's very upset about this this hospital bombing. It's the World Health Organization has strongly condemned the attack. Today, the death toll rose significantly in a horrific attack in Gaza. 200 to 300 people were killed. The Palestinians are talking about 500 dead. Never mind the journalism. Don't bother with fact-checking. Just take whatever the Hamas media agency tells you and run with it. 500, 300, at least 300 dead. I remember they talked about babies being dead. And when we finally got the actual footage from the building, and thankfully the IDF was the one who found the building and the footage and shared it with us, I think there were a couple of cars across the street that got hit, that the entire hospital itself was not caved in, as we were told by the mainstream media. Embarrassing. Embarrassing, awful, mortifying media moments. Abdication of journalistic responsibility. We've got more. We're not even halfway to the top. I feel like Casey Kasem. We should do a countdown. Let's get to the halfway point. Coming in at number six, it's Hunter's plea deal. Remember the sweetheart deal that Hunter Biden originally had? He was going to get no jail time for lying on a gun background check form and then throwing it in the garbage. He was going to walk free, a free man. It was a sweetheart deal unless you're in the mainstream media. Number six. We keep hearing things from Republicans like sweetheart deal. This is not some sweetheart deal. Well, I don't think it was a sweetheart deal. There's no indication that he's getting a special or a sweetheart deal. So is this a sweetheart deal? No, it's not. So it does not appear that this is a sweetheart deal. They focus on this and say, oh, my God, two-tier standard of justice. He got a sweetheart deal. And you're like, guys, I mean, you're just, you just sound like morons. If his last name was not Biden, I don't even think he would have been charged. His name was Hunter Smith, he probably would not have been charged. Based on what we have seen here, it seems like a more harsh disposition than most people will get. So I actually think, you know, Biden's kind of getting the short end of the stick on this because it's such a high-profile case. But nothing has been found to be illegal with those poor decisions. They can't name one crime that was committed. He committed no crime. Bending over backwards to not show any favor, even any appearance of favor, to the president's son. Yeah, yeah, we know differently. He never committed a crime? Uh, Joe Scarborough, are you nuts? Yes, he is. All right, we're halfway to the top of the top 10 most mortifying media moments of 2023. We'll get to the top, and Billy Hallowell is going to join us from uh, CBN to talk about this new decision from the Pope about, oh, you can bless gay marriage. You just can't pretend they're, they're marriages. You can't even make it look like they're marriages. It's uh, Michael Pelka in for Rizzioli. On Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Oh my God, that can only be Karen Carpenter. You know it. Oh, it's not? No, I said you know it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is one of the most angelic voices ever. Oh, I got chills. Karen Carpenter, what a loss. What a beautiful voice. Excellent choice, Henry. It's Michael Pelka in for Rizzioli. We're, we're getting in the Christmas spirit as we're also awarding the uh, media, the top 10 most mortifying media moments of 2023. We're up, to, uh, we're up to number five. When the media 
remembered that uh, whistleblowers are bad, even though they originally liked whistleblowers. Remember that? Number five. The attack on the whistleblower um, is, is never wise. It's never lawful. And I'm not going to call them whistleblowers. They don't deserve whistleblower protection. Each and every one of them has a uh, strange history, has, guess what, Russian connections. They always do. They weren't really whistleblowers at all. In fact, they weren't even credible witnesses. Two or three people who are political operatives, but they're not whistleblowers. These guys are not whistleblowers, period. Come back to so-called whistleblower from the so-called whistleblowers. See so-called whistleblowers. So-called whistleblowers. So-called whistleblowers. So-called whistleblower. So-called whistleblower. No, there's not talking points spread among all these media outlets. They don't get all the same words to say from the DNC every morning, do they? No. And then there's number four, where we have a, a new discussion. Instead of the basket of deplorables, we have now the talk of deprogramming the MAGA. You remember this one? Number four. Formal deprogramming. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members. Deprogramming that might work in other cases is um, it's obviously proven to be difficult. That any exposure uh, to children about LGBT people uh, is automatically grooming. How do you fix it? How do you undo it? Well, at this point, you know, it's deprogramming. That's what we're being fed. People uh, of other races are out to get you. We accept that. We get fed that. And so when that doorbell rings or the basketball comes into your yard, your first response is to pull that gun. It's a it's a programming that's occurring. The deprogramming question is much tougher to answer. So the left is saying that we all need to be deprogrammed and Hillary's the leader of the pack and the media is supporting it. And then there's the economy and the uh, ignoring the strength, the alleged strength of the economy. Henry, I'm, I'm keep your eye on the button on this one. I think there might be a, something that slips through on this one. Here we go. Ignoring the economy at number three. anyone else is surviving out here i can't go to the grocery store and get a week's worth spending 300 400 because everything is just astronomically expensive the everyday necessities that people take for granted you can't afford them anymore Binomics, biden's formula for strong economic growth from the bottom up it's so much greater than even the experts in economic stuff expected it to be how are you feeling tonight are you feeling confident tonight the biden administration is crediting bidenomics bidenomics is changing their lives for the better because real americans are feeling the benefits bidenomics and how well the economy has been doing under joe biden if i were him i'd actually be declaring victory this economy is particularly good you look at the gas prices that came down america is doing incredibly well oh they are never mind those people who were real americans at the at the front of all that huh and coming in at number two in the uh, top 10 most mortifying media moments, courtesy of our friends at Grabian, uh, Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is guilty of loving his son. Yes, Joe Biden is only guilty of loving his son. Number two. 
Joe Biden did nothing, nothing, not even approximating improper, much less wrong or illegal. Hunter Biden talked to his dad on the phone all the time. They talked basically every day. Sometimes Joe Biden would say hello to the people in the room if he popped in. These were more of just cordial hello types of conversations. Business was never discussed on those calls. And that was more casual sort of check ins, casual conversations. The Hunter Biden story. The scandal, the this, the that, it's also the story of a father's love. We should put this in context. This is a time when Bo Biden, the president's other son, was ill and then dying and then and then passed away. Very fraught and and sad time for the Biden family, and we know how important family is uh, to the president. People in your families, uh, they're ne'er-do-wells. This is as old as time. You know what we've seen? A lot of pictures that show you what addiction does to somebody and a lot of noise to distract from Trump. Wow. They really rallied behind Joe Biden. But the number one media malpractice moment, the number one mortifying media moment of 2023 is really the latest media malpractice moment. The mortifying media explaining what's going to happen to America if Donald Trump is reelected. Number one. What would a second Donald Trump term look like? You can't imagine the things that he's going to do. And shoot visitors to the White House. Yeah, that means he can shoot the First Lady. We're going to see violence, the likes of which we didn't even see on January 6th. Make it illegal to run against him, to throw his opponents in jail, to shut down the media. He will make himself into the Fuhrer. Using martial law against the American people. Create mass internment camps. Throw everyone into Gitmo. Assassinate generals. Ordering troops uh, to um, attack American citizens. Trump's very well-armed and extremist base will try to kill people. He's going to basically burn the house down. The absolute destruction of the Justice Department as we know it. A vote for Donald Trump uh, may mean the last election that you ever get to vote in. Unbelievable, is it not? And if you didn't hear it out of their mouths, you wouldn't believe it. You say, no, you're making that up. They're not saying that. Killing people, shooting people. The base is very well armed. Well, here's a newsflash. America's very well armed. Last Saturday, I visited the gun show out at the Oaks Convention Center, and the place was packed. And the people were lovely. And there were a lot of people who were packing at that event. And last I heard, nobody got hurt. And it was a gorgeous mosaic of America. I will tell you that. A lot of people are making sure their Second Amendment rights are protected and they're doing the right thing and they're able to protect themselves. I support that. But this uh, media malpractice, this misinterpretation of everything, as long as it defends the left and keeps the left in power, I think they're eventually going to catch on the media when people abandon them. I should take a break here, right, Henry? Because Billy Hallowell is going to join us shortly. Um, is that the wise thing to do? Yeah, let's do it. I also, be on the lookout. Uh, I spent some time today trying to get uh, John Fetterman's office to see if they could get him to call in. I know you're going, wait, what? John Fetterman, Senator Fetterman, with whom I agree on several topics, and he's now said uh, the progressive party has left him. 
I think maybe his brain rewired itself correctly. But if anybody has a chance to get Fetterman on the air, I know Dom thinks he does. But I'm working overtime, and I think I have an inside track. So if the hotline rings, just know I did I did give them the hotline just in case before 7 o'clock we get a few minutes. Uh, I'll try that. Maybe tomorrow. We'll see. But uh, my friend Billy Hallowell from uh, Christian Broadcast Network uh, needs to weigh in. He's also in the Washington Times on um, what the heck is going on with the Pope and uh, the, this new blessing of uh, gay marriages or gay relationships, but you can't have gay marriages. Uh, interesting. I have a theory why it's happening, I think. I think, and we'll discuss it with Billy, and we'll get his take on it as well as wrap up the day and any uh, any new announcements uh, just around the corner. Michael Pelka in for Zioli on the Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. The amazing thing about Vince Giraldi's music here is that it's not... Christmas music, but it's Christmas music. How do you not associate this song with Christmas? <laughs> it's remarkable, is it not? Yeah, that's from the the album from uh, It's a Charlie Brown Christmas, which decades old now. And I don't know if it could be made today. As a matter of fact, I think I, I need to play a clip from that as we wrap up the show today a little bit later. It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on the Zioli Show. What a busy day today with the Supreme Court in the spotlight, giving Donald Trump a huge win today and kicking uh, Jack Smith in the backside. Just amazing. And this might be uh, a turning point, a pivot point, as it were, in Donald Trump's fortunes against the DOJ who have definitely lined up to try and preclude him from becoming president again. So we will see what happens. Waiting on uh, Billy Hallowell to join us. Billy Hallowell, my buddy, who's a writer at, um, at the Washington Times. He's a faith writer. And uh, he's also a guy who's tied in with uh, CBN, the Christian Broadcast Network. Somebody, full disclosure, Billy and I go way back to the Blaze. We worked together at the Blaze for years and years and years. And uh, he's remained a friend as I watched his his career in in the faith media community rise, which is always a good thing. Uh, Billy is uh, joining us uh, on the phone. Thank you for being here this Friday, Billy. Uh, I appreciate you being here because th- this is um, this is kind of a curious question. Pope Francis putting out this declaration that the priests in the Catholic Church can now bless gay unions but they can't they can't bless or hold anything that resembles a marriage um very confusing to me billy hollowell what do you make of this yeah it's interesting and i think it calls into question people like me you know i'm evangelical i'm you know protestant you know this idea of a blessing right is is kind of a little more foreign to us and so it does open up a lot of conversations right and i think the biggest question for me as somebody outside of the catholic church and i would bet this is a question that a lot of catholics are asking too if you are suddenly blessing something that you are still saying you think is a sin then what why are you offering this blessing right what are you actually doing with that blessing and and i've seen the explanation that they've offered but i'm still not 
I'm still not quite understanding. You know, they feel, you know, the Pope feels as though you don't want to preclude people from, you know, coming and, you know, seeking a deeper relationship with God, which I think is true. You know, you want people to to find the Lord and have a relationship with him. But the idea that you're then extending a blessing into couples and you're doing it. And in fairness, they're doing this not at a time when a civil union is unfolding. It's not supposed to happen during a marriage. Right. So this would not be tied to a marriage or civil union ceremony. It would have to happen at a different time. But I do think that a lot of people are probably scratching their heads and wondering, well, why are you doing it again if you think it's a sin still? Yeah, I I raised the question that is this because of the Catholic Church needing to bring more people into the church? And as you said, to maybe encourage them to find a deeper relationship with their faith or the skeptic in me as a long-standing Catholic saying uh, the Catholic Church needs a new revenue stream and uh, blessings are now on sale if you're a gay couple. And I, I, I think, you know, maybe both of those could be considered to be legitimate. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because when you look at the numbers of which churches are doing well in America, right, which ones are growing and thriving, they're not the churches that are capitulating the culture. They're not the churches that are caving in. It's the churches that are standing true to the Bible, to the truth. Those are the churches that are actually doing really well in America. And so every time – and I know that this is more compl- – it's not as though the Catholic Church is saying we're okay with gay marriage. That's not what's happening. But there, there is something strange happening there. Right. Where you say, huh, what's actually going on here? Because this doesn't really make sense to me. You can easily say, look, you're more than welcome to be here. We want you to come to church. We want you to have a deeper relationship with God without without instructing priests that you can be offering these blessings. Now that this is the Protestant in me and this is going to upset Catholics, but I'll just say it. I don't I this is where sort of one of my disagreements theologically is I don't think I need a pastor or a priest to bless me necessarily at all. I have a relationship directly with God, so I don't even need that. I feel like we've sort of had this extra layer there that we don't need, and now it's complicated by this issue that I think is not quite clear, to me at least. Well, and that points back to my second statement, that this might be part of a revenue stream that helps the church. when they're- Look at you. Look at you with your I mean, look, it's not conspiratorial because I think at the end of the day, and it also, outside of revenue stream, it could be panic about where culture is going and what the future holds yeah. if they don't capitulate on this, right? I mean, yeah. that, that could be part of it as well. Yeah, it, it, it's one we're going to keep an eye on and see where this goes, if there's a further development on it. Billy, before I let you go, and we are talking with Billy Hallowell from uh, CBN News. And what was that other site, Washington um, Examiner? Washington Washington Times. The yes. Washington Higher Times. ground at Washington Times. Higher ground. Follow Billy. He's a great follow on all social media, but Washington Times, higher ground. Billy, um, in 1555, Nostradamus published his uh, 942 verses with predictions. And one of the predictions was for 2024, and it, it seems like he may be predicting or have predicted a new pope. It says, quote, through the death of a very old pontiff, a Roman of good age will be elected. Of him it will be said that he weakens the sea, the Holy See, but long will he sit in biting activity. That's a close quote. Now, Pope Francis is just about to turn 87, and he's, he's not been the healthiest pope. How freaky would it be if we had to have a new pope in 2024? 
Yeah, it, it, well, it would be freaky. You know, that Nostradamus is always coming up with things that, uh, you know, people will say, look, it's happening. But, you know, I, I think he's old. And at the end of the day, these sorts of changes, the reason that these changes matter is because the things he's doing, whoever comes in next, they're going to have to deal with them, grapple with them, and they may build upon them, right? So I don't think we're far away from having another pope the last one basically resigned right <laughs> so yes it'll be it'll be interesting to see where this goes it sounded like from what you were describing there this is going to be a young a younger person yes because it said there were, nostradamus predicted a very long-serving next pope we'll see we'll monitor it and you and i'll talk about it in the meantime follow billy hallowell he's he's really a smart guy and he's a lot of fun and i appreciate you being here my friend a merry christmas to you and yours Merry Christmas. And there he goes. Interesting take. You know, I yes, there is a uh, considerable skeptic in me anytime the massive Catholic Church, of which I am a member, hopefully in good standing, uh, uh, institutes something like this. I raise an eyebrow and wonder if it's about money. Because a lot of times big religion is about money. And maybe it's just about offering a blessing and offering some kind of a door open to bring more people into the church. Maybe. Just maybe. Uh, I know Rich talked earlier this week. Correct me if I'm, I'm uh, wrong, Henry. Uh, Rich talked earlier this week about um, our vice president, Kamala Harris, and uh, her gaffing like she did earlier like this. This is the most election of our lifetime. Yeah, that specific clip. Uh, yeah, we went in depth on uh, what <laughs> what she might have been on uh, or, yeah. during that interview. Well, you know, i i, I think um, I think she she talked about marijuana use when she was on certain radio shows, radio stations during the campaign. I I don't know if she's admitted to that fully though. But um, do you know there is a Kamala impersonator? who I think is going to be as popular as Sean Farage or Farish, the guy who's on with Rich and Dawn and Gregory all the time? I, I did not. I mean, I got to hear this now. Uh, okay, so consider Kamala. You know, she's famous for her word salads, right? Of course, of course. Um, Kamala says things. They don't need to be um, limited by other people's limited um, understanding of who can do what. Right. So the Kamala Impressionist having a little fun and serving a word salad of her own. A Kamala Harris riddle. Let's go. Today is today. And yesterday was today yesterday. Tomorrow will be today tomorrow. So live today. So the future today will be as the past today as it is tomorrow and what the f did i just say <laughs> i i think she's got the the rate of utterance i think she's got the rhythm right the tone is right and the cackle is right yeah the cackle at the end was really the, the cherry on top i i think she gets it i i hope we hear more from her we're going to try and get her on the show uh before zioli tries to glom onto her which i know he will now, earlier in the show, I, I asked the question via Charlie Brown, the question, of course, being... Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Yes, there is, Charlie Brown. There is someone. And he's your pal, Linus. 
And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Can you imagine going into a pitch meeting at a major network today saying, This is what we would like to do. What do you think? I'm amazed that the Charlie Brown Christmas still exists in the woke world. But maybe that's a sign of the endurance of faith. But it's not on TV. Uh, Isn't it? No, I think it's only on streaming. It's only on streaming. Well, that is a shame. And that just maybe proves my point. And yet the Satanic Temple people can put up displays anywhere they want. In fact, there was one in front of the Michigan State House uh, yesterday that a member of the State House, a representative, posed kissing the Satanic Temple display, put it on Twitter X, and then decided, oops, I better delete that. But everything is forever on the Internet. You got to remember that. At least Charlie Brown's Christmas is still forever on the Internet. You can find it everywhere. Uh, Linus's speech is still a great one. Thank you for being here, Henry. Incredible job on the music. I'll be back tomorrow at 7 o'clock. It's Michael Pelka and uh, Testudo, my friends. Rich Seoli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.